Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Take a look around. The Ben Jarofsky Show starts now. It is Wednesday, November 6th, and live from the Chicago Sun-Times Chicago Reader Studio, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, it's another Monroe Midweek with legendary Chicago journalist Monroe Anderson. It's the return of election lawyer Adolfo Mondragon, and we welcome president of the Cook County Teachers Union, Tony Johnston. And now your host, still president of nothing, Chicago Reader <laughs> columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this. We shall see Wednesday. And here's why. Great night last night at the hideout. Packed house for First Tuesday. That's correct. Uh, that is correct. Robert Mueller, Stacey Davis Gates, of course, was our featured guest uh, on stage with Maya and myself. Maya made her debut, did a very good job, in my humble opinion. And um, right after Stacey talked about all the twists and the turns and the ups and the downs of the Chicago teacher strike, we went to questions. First question from the front row, from our very own Frank. Frank had his hand in the air and said, it's, the ball is in your court, Frank. And uh, he asked the question, hey, Stacy, you going to run for mayor in 2023? Let's just get right down to it, okay? We just had an election in April, but that's that's how we do it in Chicago, folks. Uh, one election just bleeds in the next one. It was a great question. It was on everybody's mind. So kudos, Frank, uh, for asking it. And uh, what was Stacy's answer? D, a bit of a duck and a dodge, as I recall. It was like she didn't say no. She didn't say yes. She said she was honored and humbled by the question. And, and then she just sort of. Whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. And I was like, wait, did she say yes? Did she say no? Who knows? Anyway, in Chicago, like I said, it's barely an end to an election season. Democrats love fighting each other so much. My advice for Stacey and Lori and the teachers union and the mayor, can maybe you guys can work it out, you know? Like the Beatles said, we can work it out, D. What do you think, huh? Maybe they can work it out. Just don't sing it. Oh, <laughs> don't sing it. Meanwhile, while we were uh, having our great uh, first Tuesday show, uh, across the country, the Democrats were sending a message. Big night for the Dems yesterday, particularly in Virginia. The Dems took control of the Senate, the state Senate, and the state House. They already had the governor. Uh, Ralph Northam is the governor, a Democrat. That means they'll control the, the uh, re- remapping process after the 2020 um 
said says the happiest man in the world is terry cosgrove a personal pack we were uh, we had terry on the show yesterday terry of course the head of the largest reproductive rights uh, lobbyist group here in the state of illinois and is a uh, very much uh, in tune with what's going on politically around the country and uh, terry and i see eye to eye in the whole quote-unquote fair maps movement uh fair maps movement is a suckers movement this is my words not terry uh, which democrats in states where they control uh the legislative process where they control the governor where they control the house are supposed to say oh yes fair is fair let's allow the republicans to have a hand in shaping the map so we take away our advantage meanwhile uh in every other state in the union where the republicans have the advantage they're crushing democrats just crushing them so it's really hard to play fair when only one side is playing fair fair map people that's just my general attitude about fair maps fair maps means republican maps and democrats being suckers anyway uh in Virginia, the Democrats will get to, to draw the map, and the sobbing you hear is Donnie Trump and the Republicans because they won't will, won't be allowed to gerrymander. Oh, poor babies! Speaking of uh, sobbing from Republicans, other uh, big news out of Kentucky. While we were uh, having our discussion at First Tuesday, by the way, Dr. D was there. A lot of people are like asking for autographs and uh, taking pictures, selfie, <laughs> selfies with the young doctor there. I spilled a beer. Yes, you did. You <laughs> dropped it on the floor. It, was a gla- it didn't break. but uh, it yeah. was, Wasn't that Maya's beer that you were bringing Yeah, her, I was like, was hey, it's... happy uh, first, first Tuesday. Here's a beer. Oops. Dropped <laughs> it on the floor. <laughs> then I saw somebody cleaning up. Uh, <laughs> I don't know who that was. Anyway. Uh, it smelled like beer the whole night. Uh, yes, uh, the doctor was there. And um, anyway, so while we were uh, at first Tuesday, uh, Andy Bashir, the Democrat, defeated uh, Matt Bevin, the Republican, in the gubernatorial race in Kentucky. That is correct. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, a Democrat was victorious in the governor's race Hell yeah. in Kentucky. Let's do the Kentucky fight song. Dun, 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 dun. I don't know what it is. Oh, that, I, isn't, that, Most fight songs sound like yeah, that, though, I know, right? It's like Notre Dame, I thought. Now I'm going to have this. Da, 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 da. Sorry. Anyway. Kentucky. Yeah. Let me go back to the Boston song that we were saying. That was the song that was playing on the, the radio. By the way, little known secret about Dr. D. People don't know this. He loves classic rock. Yes, I did. I did not know that. Correct. <laughs> that until he took control of the radio dial and was like, take a look around. Anyway. Favorite back. classic rock band? Thin Lizzy. Just said it right there. I know a Thin Lizzy song. Yes, you do. Wait, time out. Are they once, they're not the ones who sing The Boys Are Back at Yeah, I love that's that them. Song. Back at Dino's, huh? Dino's Bar and Grill, all right? Uh, anyway, Mitch McConnell's home state in Kentucky. Mitch McConnell, of course, being the diabolical genius, evil genius who runs the Senate and is always crushing the Democrats' hope. Everybody absolutely says that the key to uh, passing progressive legislation is to take back the Senate so you don't have Mitch McConnell, Mitch McConnell in a position to stifle it and smother it and do things like bury the Democrats, the Democrats, uh, state Supreme Court nominees, as he did with Marlon, uh, with um, with uh, Barack Obama back in 2016. Anyway, so uh, it was a big win for the Democrats. They eked it out. Very close election. Does that mean that Mitch McConnell could be in trouble? Now, that's a little ahead of us, folks. I don't think the primary will be uh, the gubernatorial primary in Kentucky will be until May. 
And the Democrats have a, a very contested race. Amy McGrath is viewed as the front runner. She, of course, is the former Marine pilot. Uh, she ran for Congress last uh, last year and lost uh, to a Republican, but now she's back at it. Uh, very much a centrist moderate. My uh, Democrats, my lefty Democrats are very upset with her. And they, and they are always tell me, Benny, she's too moderate, too centrist. And I'm like, you know, guys, Kentucky's not like Logan Square, all right? Sometimes you just got to adopt where people are instead of trying to oppose your views on them. I don't know. That's just me saying that, D. Understatement of the year right there. (laughs) Kentucky is not Logan Square. Yeah, you know, we want a candidate that could win in Logan Square. I don't know, you know? I mean, I don't know if Kentucky is quite like Logan Square. Anyway, so we'll be watching that one. Of course, it'll answer the Meredith Shiner question, and that question is this. Meredith Shiner was a guest on the show, a very astute uh, observer of politics. And she said that if Mitch McConnell senses that his control of the Senate will be jeopardized by Donnie Trump and the impeachment movement, he will turn on Donald John Trump like that. So what he's probably doing right now, D, is studying uh, the election results in yesterday's Kentucky race to see where the uh, Democrat uh, Bashirs was strongest, where the Republican Matt Bevin was weakest, whether those votes will translate into votes, those Bashir votes will translate into Amy McGrath votes. And by the way, the Libertarian Party, I think, picked up 2% of the vote uh, in that race. you got to figure those votes would have gone to Bevin. And uh, in in, in a normal circumstance, so will the libertarians be a factor in 2020? These are all things that I'm sure Mitch McConnell will be figuring out. Here's Mitch McConnell studying. (laughs) (laughs) That's how he does it, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to have to bring Meredith Shiner back to see what her prediction is. She said that Mitch McConnell will buckle and turn on Donald John Trump if he thinks his survival is at stake. I doubt it, but we shall see. We got a great show today, everybody. Monroe Anderson will be here. He is the happiest man in all of Chicago because <laughs> he's been predicting Donald John Trump is going down for a long time. I've talked to him already. He goes, Benny, 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 you see those results in Kentucky? I told you. So we'll be talking about the results yesterday with Monroe. We'll be doing a Donald Trump update. We'll be talking about impeachment stuff with, with him. What what the heck is going on in, uh, in Washington yesterday while we were discussing local news? Uh, Gordon uh, Sunlin, uh, one of the uh, top envoys uh, that Donald Trump had appointed to the European Union, flipped his testimony, apparently, into, in closed congressional hearings about uh, Ukraine Gate. And all of a sudden is saying, yes, indeed. It was quid pro quo. It was extortion. Well, that's my words, extortion. Uh, Donald Trump did make it clear to the Ukrainians that if they did not uh, announce they were doing this phony investigation into Joe Biden and Joe Biden's son, then he, uh, Donald Trump, would not release aid that Congress had approved. Aha! The plot thickens. So, you know, Monroe is going to be eager to talk about that. Trump's tax case heading forward to the Supremes. Will Donnie Trump finally have to release his tax information? We'll be talking about that as well. And the national politics. Adolfo Mandragon will be stopping by as well. Probably uh, do some crosstalk with Monroe. And he just filed a complaint with the Illinois Board of Elections uh, having to do with Danny Solis, the alderman. Can Danny Solis, or Ed Burke for that matter, take campaign funds that people donate to them for their political cause and use it to pay off their criminal defense lawyers. We'll take the deep dive with that with the Dolphin Gap. Folks, come on now. Hey, I love the Democrats, 
but we can't allow shady, corrupt Democrats to take over our party. Right, D? Oh, more on that in moments. That's called what? Foreshadowing? What's it, what's it called in radio terms? It's called a tease. Oh, a tease. You're embarrassing you. us. <laughs> and these are cans. Uh, anyway, and then Tony Johnson, who is um, the president of Cook County Teachers Union, will be in the studio to talk about Apparently, there's uh, trouble at Triton College and uh, and labor uh, troubles there. So we'll have Tony Johnston talking union news. But before we do any of that, the young man from Alton, the pride and joy of the 618 with the news. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Let's begin with what's happening in Illinois and or Chicago this afternoon. And hey, if there's uh, any new listeners out there, maybe listening for the first time, uh, although he's called me one every day, going on literally two and a half years Still not sure why. <laughs> not a doctor. My name's Dennis. <laughs> hey, Ben, good news. The Illinois governor uh, we've grown to love is back in full swing. After years of neglect, <laughs> Illinois is finally getting its mojo back. All right, jury's right. still out on that one. But hey, you sure are getting your mojo back, Mr. Pritzker. Right now, in my face, thanks to Illinois Politico. Go subscribe to that, by the way. Fantastic way to catch up on the daily local news. But right now, in my face, is a Wednesday schedule full of public events for J.B. Pritzker. That's right, with a fully functioning femur, his day began at Four (laughs) Seasons Park in Plainfield. We've been to Plainfield. Yes, we have. We were, uh, what highway was that? I can't remember. Uh, that was a long time ago. I know. I remember there was a river somewhere near. Remember the river, D? We talked about the river. It was the Fox River, wasn't it? No, it was a different place. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, there was a river. There was definitely a river. Anyway. The river in Plainfield. Frank, weigh in if you can. All right. Uh, he then went to Lombard Golf Course to highlight Rebuild Illinois projects in Will in DuPage County. Did he golf? I don't know. Ben Jarofsky. Is Governor J.B. Pritzker a golfer? You know, I do not know the answer to that question, but my guess is no. Just don't think he's a golfer. I don't know. i never seen a picture of him golfing. Maybe I missed it. What about you? Are you a golfer? Uh, negatory, to quote Norm. I've gone golfing uh, twice in my life. Once, when I was about 16, my friends and I snuck on a golf course in Evanston. We snuck on the course. We had one club. That we shared. And then the <laughs> we got about two rounds in, and then the guy runs the course. Hey, get off of the oh, course. Radical. And then, uh, yeah, we snuck on the course. And then my only, quote, unquote, legitimate golfing outing w- took place about 20 years ago with my dear friend Milo. Uh, he wanted me. He was going through a golfing phase, and he dragged me. Dude, that was the most boring day. I was, like, literally falling asleep. But I do like miniature golf. Miniature golf is a good time. Yeah, I like miniature golf. I agree with you so, there. Not a golfer. All right, well, there you go, listeners. If you ever wondered, oh, man, I wonder if Ben Drowski ever liked to go golfing with me. No, he wouldn't. (laughs) Not a golfer. Oh, it's so boring. Good God. So J.B. Pritzker did that. And finally tonight, the governor will speak at the Midwest Airlines Gala reception at the Spurtis Institute. He really likes galas, folks. (laughs) Last night, Governor Pritzker gave a speech at the Cook County Democrats fundraiser. It was held at the Michigan Avenue Hilton. He talked about our 45th president, Donald J. Trump. And surprise, none of it was flattering. (laughs) I don't blame him. There's not really a lot of flattering stuff to say about Donald John Trump. But the governor then transitioned to that big problem happening right here in Illinois. It's that damn dirty word that comes up a little too often for my liking in this daily local news segment, if you ask me. Corruption. Uh, my beloved Democrats. Once again, if you're a new listener to this program, or maybe a new citizen of Illinois, hi, welcome to Illinois. 
we're pretty shady. <laughs> even the Democrats. Yeah, even. I, I would take even out of that sentence. My especially beloved, the Democrats. Especially the Democrats. <laughs> oh, my God. My beloved Democratic Party. Okay. So I have corruption quotes from the governor to read. Remember, just in the last year, we've had four, maybe five, Democratic Illinois politicians have their offices raided by federal agents. Hold one on. of which. Let me see if I can count them. All Let's right. see if I can do this off of the top. Did you say four or five? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, uh. Alderwoman Austin, um, raid, uh, they, and you say elected, oh, oh boy, um, uh, Marty Sandoval, Sandoval, State Senator Marty Sandoval, that's two, I'm doing this off the top of my head, ladies and gentlemen, and I smoked a lot of reefer back in 1980, uh, three would be, uh, well, I'm, I'm thinking of Cook County, I mean, uh, City Club Gate, but that's not a, uh, was Louis Arroyo's office raided? I don't think his office was raided. Oh, yeah, see, right. I, I think you're saying that offices, I think there's been indictments and investigations. Uh, oh, Alderman Ed Burke. How can I forget Ed Burke? How can you? And I believe uh, Alderman Brian Ernst's office oh, was raided. No, just kidding. That's <laughs> Alderman slash video techie Brian Ernst? <laughs> yeah, I think his office was raided. And they found he had these like illegal uh, movies videos that he had secretly downloaded from the 90s there. So uh, anyway, I'm just kidding. Brian Ertz, of course, is the uh, technical wizard who runs the entire Chicago Sun-Times. So how many you got on your list there? I have three. I have Austin, uh, Sandoval, and Burke. I'm not sure if Arroyo's offices were actually raided, so I can't put him on the list. See, I said four, maybe five, three, maybe four. Okay. How about that? That's good, yeah. All right. So uh, here are the quotes from Pritzker last night. Uh, let's see here. Quote. What's <laughs> so funny? Just the thought of Brian Ernst's office being raided. <laughs> He's got a beautiful office. Been in Brian's office many times. Can't imagine. There's not a really a lot to raid there. But uh, anyway, oh, hey, go ahead. We're back on video. All right. Thank you, Brian Ernst. Wave to the camera, Ben. Mm-mm-mm-mm. All right. Or just do that pointy <laughs> thing you do. <laughs> Either one, I guess. Guess it means the same. Okay. Let's read the quotes from Pritzker last night. Quote. By the way, it's about corruption. Okay. Welcome to Illinois. If you just now moved <laughs> to Illinois. Quote, I'm furious watching public officials, some from our own party, betray the public trust. Mm-hmm. I am disgusted that some people in politics seem to think the old way of doing politics is the right way of doing politics. And it's time to change the way politics is done in this state. Period. Yes, indeed. Ch- time to change your evil ways. Speaking of a great song from the 60s. Pritzker then announced that he plans to push lobbying reforms to root out corruption, saying that he'll return to Springfield next week to help craft legislation that would help shed light on lobbyists through, quote, a series of ethics reforms that are, frankly, long overdue. Well, I got to tell you, folks, uh, I've it, I've lived through a lot of corruption investigations here in the state of Illinois, uh, dealing with politicians, dealing with judges, and um, it always seems as though when it, when it's all over, everybody shakes their head and go, "I am disgusted. I am outraged. This must not be allowed to happen again. We're going to pass laws to prevent it." And then somehow or other, guess what, D? It happens again. And I'm not sure if it's something in particular to Illinois and Chicago, or is this just human nature 
to quote Michael uh, Jackson. Is this just the way human beings are across the board? You know what? I spent so much of my time utterly obsessed with local politics. I'd never taken like uh, like a deeper dive into the behavior of politicians outside of Chicago. For instance, I'm always writing about the TIF program here in the city of Chicago and what a scam it is. And then, you know, when I give talks or in front of groups of people, one of the first questions that's generally asked to me is, do other cities have TIFs? Are other cities, and I say, yes, of course, it's a, a standard practice to raise money to uh, fund projects. And then people will say, well, uh, well, are other cities' TIF programs as corrupt and as misguided as Chicago's? And I have to say, I do not know because I haven't studied them. So it's the same thing with politicians. Are Chicago's politicians more corrupt than, let's say, politicians in Cleveland? Or in downstate Alton, where a young doctor is from. Oh, shady uh, business going on there. I do not know the answer. I've never been a reporter in downstate Alton. Yeah, I'll bet I'd find a lot of shady stuff going on in Alton, Dave. If I set up, can you imagine if Maya set up shop down at Alton? Oh, my goodness. Could they throw her out of town? <laughs> uh, so <laughs> she's too tough on those politicians. So I do not know the answer as to whether Chicago or Illinois is even is more corrupt than, let's say, New York. I know, New- oh, my God, there's so much corruption in the state of new york boston there was a lot of corruption in boston missouri was infamous for corruption so you know i just think i'm starting to think d it's just human nature you understand what i'm saying uh as opposed to something in the drinking water in chicago there are some chicago behavior that i find really annoying and that's like the general notion that you just got to get along you know to go along to get along and all that stuff and that's how chicagoans can keep electing the same old same old but uh, i don't know if we're any more corrupt than any other establishment okay and uh, also, yeah, uh, J.B. Pritzker, I mean, I hate to bring it back up, but he had that toilet thing, too. Plumber Gate. Yeah. <laughs> How can I forget that? That's Thank you. For, I, I hate to bring I'm it up. He's not a perfect person. I hate to bring it up, he says, as he brings it up. Yeah, how can we forget uh, J.B. Pritzker? So let me ask you this. This is off the cuff here. Uh, So Bruce Rauner, when he ran, he talked about, like, the corrupt politicians in Illinois. Is Bruce Rauner right a little bit? Uh, Yeah, and that's a guy I would really take advice from in this. If you recall, Bruce Rauner hired Stewie Levine. Remember Stewie Levine and the teacher's pension fund? Remember Bruce Rauner before he was governor? I I like Stewie. Uh, So, you know, listen. My general attitude when it comes to Bruce Rauner is he, he is what they call a phony. Do you get it, D? I mean, when it was working for him, he was happy to play with <laughs> Illinois Democrats, and he was endorsing Daly and signing on to Rom and all that Loving stuff. Loving the teachers. Lo- Yay yeah. for our teachers. <laughs> Yay for our teachers. But then he wanted to really sock it to the teachers' union and get more power and money for people like him, and so he, he waged war against the unions, and to do that, he suddenly had to pretend as though he was a great reformer. So, you know what? I have no faith pretty much in any Republican in this current age of Donald John Trump who claims that he's a reformer and wants to clean up the swamp. Isn't that interesting? Donald Trump, there's another one. He's going to clean up the swamp. Remember the $50,000 he gave uh, to Rahm Emanuel? Remember that, young Dennis? I remind Dennis of that every day. We're on that train going home, and we see the Trump building with the big Trump sign, and uh, Dennis goes, "Uh, like my building? And I always go, yeah, that $50,000 campaign. Pay contribution gave to Rahm Emanuel paid off for you, Donnie. So yeah, Republicans are hypocritical on this front, D. You know it as well as I do. So JB Pritzker, that was his speech last night uh, at the Democratic uh, Cook County Democrats party or whatever. Uh, but JB Pritzker wasn't the only one on the bill. Mm. No sir. Also giving a speech was our Chicago mayor Lori Lightfoot. 
Double L. Double L has been just called her. Yeah, she trashed Trump in her speech, too. She called him the most dangerous president in our history. But she spoke on our select corrupt Democratic Illinois politicians as well. Lightfoot called on Dems to, quote, stand for equity, for racial and economic justice, for worker justice, for gender justice, for environmental justice, for immigration justice, and for the ethical conduct of government. We can't pretend that this party has been pure or exempt from self-dealing or misconduct. We can, however, apply a higher standard to ourselves and to our party going forward. We can resolve to turn the page. Those days need to be over. Definitively. I agree with her 100%. It's really interesting. See, this is... That that that's the rhetoric of candidate Lori Lightfoot when she was running for mayor. That's what I liked about her. D talking about economic justice and social justice, and she came to the hideout uh, just like Stacey Davis Gates did. And, and at that time it was McDumpy me told us right to our face, "I'm against Lincoln Yards and I'm uh, four more nurses in the school." I think in her heart of hearts, she wants to do the right thing. You become mayor of the city of Chicago, there's a lot of pressures on you. All of a sudden, you got to deal with the Tribune and and the like the corporate Chicago going, uh, "You got to crush those teachers." stamp them on like a bug and uh, so it's a lot of pressures on her but i think in her heart of hearts she wants to do the right thing so here here for that and in terms of corruption absolutely it's about time the democrats clean up their house there's just this notion this attitude uh that uh you know it's like real politics in Chicago if you get down and dirty. We got Adolfo Mondragon coming in here uh, later on, and th- he knows a thing or two about how Chicago politics is played. He's an election law lawyer. He's run for office. He worked for Ed Burke, so it'll be interesting to see what he has to say. But that attitude, that Chicago attitude, is so prevalent. You know, yeah, get, get down and dirty. That's what we need, down and dirty. All right? Practical. So One more uh, time, down and dirty. Down and dirty, okay? <laughs> I don't, you know, I'm not from Chicago, folks. I moved here, and that's the first thing yeah. He's down and dirty. He could cut a deal. It's some Rhode Island thing he's doing there. Down and dirty. <laughs> Keep Rhode that in Rhode Island, pal. Rhode. By the way, uh, you talk about corruption. Rhode Island. Woo! The mayor of Rhode Island. Forget his name. Uh, you know, Frank, what's his name? I think he said it was Buddy or something like that. Man, that dude was so corrupt. He's down and dirty. Da- down and dirty. All right, that's what we like. Our politicians get down and dirty. All right, today Mayor Lightfoot joined. We're moving on from that speech. Moving there. on up, moving on yeah, up. He's still doing that. All right, today Finally Mayor got a piece of the pie. Today Mayor Lightfoot joined Blue Cross Blue Shield of Illinois for a groundbreaking ceremony of its new Morgan Park Center. Apparently, it used to be a target. Ben, for ten trivia points, what ward is Morgan Park in? Well, this ward. Uh, well, it's divided among several wards, but I believe this is the thirty-fourth ward. Okay, and. Who is the alderman of the 34th Ward? It would be Alderwoman Carrie Austin. All right. Did I get it right? By the way, she's on that list you just made, right? What list? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I already forgot that list. The list of the three uh, Democratic politicians from Cook County whose offices were raided by the feds. Let's not forget the city club, all right, D? Let's not forget the city club. Their offices were raided by the feds, too. Just say. By the way, did I ever tell you I'm a member of the city club? Oh, yeah. <laughs> We've been milking that one for a long time, buddy. Yeah. All right. Here's Lori Lightfoot at uh, Morgan Park today. Mm-hmm. You remember about a year ago um, when Target announced that it was leaving um, this site. There's a lot of consternation, 
lot of people upset, not only because the lack of notice, but also the, the devastating effect that this would have on the economy. And the fact that Blue Cross Blue Shields now is coming into this site, and not only um, claiming the space, but bringing far more jobs and far more opportunity in this space is like the story of the phoenix rising from the ashes. So congratulations, Blue Cross Blue Shield, on doing a great service, not only for this community, but for the city of Chicago. Is that you in the crowd clapping? Yeah, man, I am clapping. I think that's awesome. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Blue Cross. All right. Well, it actually made sense to them. They moved in, and uh, I think it's wonderful. All right. And hey, why not? It's one of uh, those politicians we were talking about whose office was raided. Here's Carrie Austin speaking at the event as well. When Target left us, as I said, it left us devastated. What will we do with all of this space? Many of you know that I do say first giving all praises and honor to God, because when I told God about this, he talked to who? Maurice. (laughs) And I'm grateful that he did, because now we have hope. We have a breath of fresh air. We have something that we can look forward to out in the 34th Ward, the far south side of Chicago. Because when we say south, we say far south. Uh, Maurice would be the uh, planning chief for the city of Chicago. I don't know, bringing God into it, but uh, whatever. Everybody has their own political beliefs, their religious beliefs. So uh, it's good, I guess, you uh, not to be humble and give credit to a greater source when something good happens. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I don't know if it was divine intervention. I presume it was a business decision on the part of Blue Cross. And uh, let's face it, you know, it's uh, probably made sense to them financially. And so they made the move. So good for them. All right. So I give thanks to Blue Cross. How about that, D? I'm giving thanks for them for moving in and uh, and. Uh, keeping that building from being vacant. All right, so there you are. That's what's going on uh, locally this afternoon. We'll keep you posted on those stories as today's program rolls along. Uh, we're going to you, everybody. First on the Ben Jarofsky Show Facebook page, Frank weighed in. What's up, Frank? Frank says here, uh, he's got the the mayor here. Buddy Cianci was the correct yes, mayor very co- of Providence, dang. Rhode Island. I said Buddy or Busters. Yeah, that dude was so corrupt. So you see, it's not just Chicago. Thank you, Frank. By the way, great question last night. State Board Stacy, first question right out of the box. Boom. Are you running for mayor in 2023? And I believe Stacy's response was a little along the lines of, Duck and Dodge. Oh, it looks like Kyle's weighing in on the YouTube live stream chat. Thank you very much, Kyle. He has a pop quiz for you. Uh-oh. Oh, Who's the current mayor of Rhode Island? The current mayor of Bo- uh, Providence, Rhode Island? Providence, Rhode Island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do, you know, I, I, I'm I, just going to take a wild guess and say uh, Antonio Correa. Oh. <laughs> I do not know. Monroe Anderson is the mayor of Providence, Rhode Island. I knew it. <laughs> no, I, I I do not know who the mayor of Providence. I should. I haven't been in Pro- I haven't been in Providence, Rhode Island since the seventies. So, all yeah. right. Well, you may need to take a trip back, buddy. Yeah. Come on, maybe for the holidays, huh? Yeah, maybe. I thought I'm going in the other direction for the holidays. But that's a long story. We don't need to go into that. All right, everybody, don't go anywhere because coming up after this break, we got Monroe Anderson in the building. He's going to be talking all things Trump. Well, look at look at that smile on his face. No, he's got the smile and that cool, super cool hat, which I'm very jealous of, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I want a hat just like that, oh, man. I don't think you can pull that hat off. I know, like <laughs> like Jackie Brown. <laughs> all right, don't go anywhere, everybody, uh, because coming up, we're going to be talking with Monroe Anderson. It's the Ben Jarofsky Show, <coughs> live from the Chicago Sun Times. 
The Ben Jarofsky Show is supported by Northwestern University's part-time master's program in literature and liberal studies. Students learn from dynamic and diverse faculty as they build advanced skills for critical analysis, writing, and research. Evening classes are held on Northwestern's Evanston and Chicago campuses. The spring quarter application deadline is January 15th. Learn more at sps.northwestern.edu slash masters. I, um, right now, um, read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture, food, arts and entertainment, weekly concert listings, weekly event listings, the environment, travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. Hey, podcast fans. That's you, right? Because you're listening to a podcast. The Sun-Times political web series, The France Spielman Show, is now available as a podcast. The France Spielman Show features weekly interviews with the lawmakers, journalists, and others who are shaping our city. Fran holds nothing back. She goes deep into City Hall to bring you the real scoop on Chicago politics. And now you can listen to her show on all, that's A-L-L, all, of your favorite podcast apps. Head to City Hall with Fran and get even more great political coverage from the Chicago Sun-Times. Last week's Fran Spielman show featured Jesse Sharkey, and, well, that's the president of the uh, Chicago Teachers Union, and the vice president, SDG, Stacey Davis-Gates. Go check it out. Listen and subscribe now at suntimes.com forward slash Fran hyphen show. That's suntimes.com forward slash F-R-A-N hyphen Show. Welcome back to the BEN Jorofsky Show, <laughs> live from the Chicago Sun Times. Monroe Anderson in the studio. He's been a regular on my show ever since I've had a show, and he's been making day one, day one, right. day one. This day man, one. Yes. the first Monday, uh, and it was Monroe Monday. Now it's mid <laughs> midweek or midday. Monroe midweek. Oh man, thanks alliteration. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Monroe midweek, man. Monroe, I, it's all I that lo- refresh, uh, but um, anyway, and. One thing that's been consistent about Monroe from the get-go, which is why I think he's so popular with my listeners, he has been consistently predicting that Donald Trump was going to get impeached, that Donald Trump, the voters were going to turn on Donald Trump. And Monroe, there's so many nervous Nellies out there in the Democratic Party. I know. I know they're all, I'm nervous, I'm afraid. And... uh, I got, steady, I got struck by lightning once. It might happen again. Yeah. Yeah, it's not raining outside. <laughs> That's exactly no right. Uh, no collusion. And uh, so let's. No hoax. No, oh, no hoax. Just a hoax. Uh, so let's, I guess, let's just start with yesterday's elections, uh, the one in Kentucky in particular. Uh, Virginia, the, the Democrats took the House and the Senate. Yes. And in Kentucky, uh, Andy Bashir, the Democrat, uh, defeated Matt Bevin, the Republican, the yeah. incumbent governor. And now the Democrats, as hard as this is for me to believe, have the governor's seat in Kentucky, which well, is a very a, Trump state. Yeah, except that it's happened before. In fact, the last Democratic governor was Jim Bashir's father. Mm, that was a, f- a few governors back. So. Yeah, yeah, a couple of governors and back. And the reason why I say it's hard for me to believe is that when you when you, when I think of Kentucky, it's the home state of Mitch McConnell. Right. And uh, it's a state that Donald Trump won by, I want to say... 30. 
well, thank you, 30. I, I was going to say like 17, but it yeah, was 30. 30. Yeah. He trounced Hillary Clinton right. in Kentucky. Yeah. So what's your sense of a reading the tea of leaves? Um, first of all, Bashir, his, his father was popular and well-known. He is gay. Thing one. Uh, thing two was um, that Bevins was Trump before Trump. <laughs> He is a total jerk. Everybody hates him there. And he, he went against the teachers union. Uh, he, 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 um, he killed Medicare. And he did a whole bunch of horrible things. I mean, he calls people names. I mean, he's Trump. He's Trump. He's the local Trump. Yeah. Right. Everything you just said sounds like everything that Donald Trump does, and yet somehow or other, voters in Kentucky held Bevins in contempt for that, but they seem to be applauding Trump. Or do you think in Kentucky the same thing would be happening to Donald John Trump? Um, Not sure. You know, because what's really interesting in Kentucky is all the rest of the ticket— Went Republican. Mm-hmm. I mean, Democrats didn't make any hit, hit, headways anywhere else but in the governor's seat. Um, so we'll have to see. The, the, um, the thing is, in the suburbs, mm-hmm. um, Bevins did, I mean, um, Bashir did a lot better than he had done, uh, than, than, than has happened to other Democrats. Uh, the suburbs went. Uh, Democratic instead of Republican. And that's mainly, I think, because of white women. Explain that. Trump has alienated white from, 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 from the grabbing of the pussies on. We're, we're, we're podcast. Mm, right. You could say whatever you want. Exactly. It's a pod- and by the way, Monroe Anderson has said whatever he's wanted ever since we moved to this, this little room here in the Sun-Times right. building. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, yeah, thank right. you. Robert Mueller agrees. Exactly. So it's, it, so women, you know, when he, when he won, there was a big protest when he, the day after the inauguration mm-hmm. had this women's march on Trump. So he has never, and it's just grown because we did he, get fifty-four percent of the white uh, women. Yeah, vote before in, uh, fifty-three or before, fifty-four. Yeah, and it was those white women that are now mad at him. Yeah, it was white women in the suburbs who voted for him. They gave him the fifty-four. And so, do you think he's actually going to be below fifty percent among white women in oh, the yeah, suburbs? For sure, I think he's lost. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to remember, but it's it's double digits support among women, white women. Black women have been staunchly against him. I mean, I, I think um, they're like 95 percent. Well, that gets Trump. to the. Uh, uh, I, oh, no, you know me, my position yeah, on this yeah, one. So, I mean, you're going on polls. Uh, by the way, we're going to have, I just want to uh, promote this. Uh, uh, Henry Davis will be coming in as a bonus guest today uh, after the show's over. We're going to drop that over the weekend. And he, of course, is the councilman from South Bend, Indiana, uh, who's very much an opponent of uh, Mayor Pete. And, but and we, brother of Stacey Davis. That Davis. is correct. But we like, you know, he likes to think of himself as his own man, right? Oh yeah. So yeah. don't make that mistake and call him Henry Davis Gates. Okay. That, that may, you know, <laughs> may appeal the listeners a little more. You know, yeah, Stacey Davis true. Gates's brother his will be younger on. brother, and who's been on the show. I think this will be his third time, Monroe. And uh, does, does he get a special jacket after five appearances? <laughs> <or something? laughs> no, you don't get. The, you get a letter, like a letter. You know, you get like a. Then you don't get the jacket until it's like I think. 
four times on the show. <laughs> like a letterman's jacket. Uh, but you get the letter that you get to put on there. Uh, but anyway, his the, his he's got this theory. We've had this argument. I have had this argument down through the years with so many people uh, where he was telling me that in his humble opinion, Donald Trump is more popular among uh, black voters than Pete Buttigieg. Now, part of the reason he says that, when we get taken a deep dive with Henry Davis uh, in that interview, is because... He uh, he, like, yeah, he, he doesn't, doesn't like Pete Buttigieg. Exactly, okay? right, exactly. Uh, so it'd be like if you were to say uh, Donald Trump is more popular than Rahm Emanuel, let's say, among black voters. Yeah. Uh, well, you, you actually don't have a strong opinion about Rama. If I were to say that, yeah, and I, I wouldn't say that in a million years, no matter what I think about Rahm Emanuel, yeah. because I think Donald Trump is widely, widely reviled by black voters, and we have a tendency... What do we have to lose? <laughs> what do you mean? By hating him. <laughs> Remember, I mean, that was his, his position on the black community. Yes. Vote for him, what do you have to lose? What do you have to lose? Right. As opposed to, what do you have to gain? Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. Most voters, you're right. Most voters right. are like, I gained something from right. this. And not only that, he's the one who rode through the South Side and said um, he didn't see how you, those people could live like this. He did? I don't remember mm -hmm. that one. Yeah, this was a few years back. Wow. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, so so what's your just? I know. Uh, do you have? Do you do you share that belief that uh, Donald Trump is more popular with black voters than Peter Mayor Pete? No. Okay. No. Me neither. I uh, completely disagree with that. All right. Uh, so and you you know and it's easy. I think it'd be easy easy enough to check, and that's to um, Google how many black votes. He got well, that's, the last mayoral yes. election. Uh, and that's something you're, you're thinking ahead. That's what I'm going to do after today's show. And I'm part of my debate with okay. Henry Davis. Okay. Uh, but anyway, going back uh, to that, uh, that, that key uh, uh, division of the electorate, uh, the white women, white suburban women yes. uh, who have, it looks as though in the last few elections have been moving toward the Democrats and, and, are moving against Trump. Are moving against Trump. They're moving against Trump. And you think that's a pattern that will follow, that will yes. hold? Yes. Yes. What is he, What has he done for women lately? <laughs> well, what has he done for women ever? Right. But that's a, right. a whole lot. Not talking about for, for any progress mm -hmm. to go on. No. He's, in fact, it's going to be a bloodbath next year. The Republicans are you're talking about last year where there was a blue wave. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> next year is going to be uh, the, a tsunami. The, 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 no, a, a red. Um, um, yeah, tsunami. A red tsunami. A red tsunami the other way. But but as in blood flowing, not 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 getting not a positive thing. So do what, what we're going to get massacred. What do you think is at the heart of this? Just opposition to the behavior of Donald Trump, yes. as opposed to the policies of Donald Trump. Both. I mean, Trump has been horrible in every way. He's he's the most lawless president ever. Let me think about that. Um, I have to think about that. We had, I lived with Richard Milhouse Nixon. Yeah, well, he, uh, he makes Nixon look like uh, a, a pickpocket versus a mugger. Wait, give me the particular. What's the bill of particulars on the lawlessness of Donald John Trump? Um, why don't we start with ignoring subpoenas, telling your entire administration they can't um, go if, uh, go honor a subpoena? 
Nixon did not do that. He, 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 he squirmed and he, he tried to figure out how to get around it. But he didn't have a blanket, uh, screw you, I'm not just, my people just aren't coming. Yeah, that's true. The Nixon, uh, Nixon's aides testified at the public Watergate hearings yes. in the summer of 1973. Right. Uh, yeah, so he did not. Uh, and when they said, you got to go, he left. He did. It took he a did. lot. He did. Yeah. And, uh, and he did everything. He was tricky dicky. Right? Yeah. He, so, res- he, he resisted. Was yeah, right. Yeah, he, he resisted. But, he didn't want to. But he honored the Constitution. In fact, he, he had actually read it. <laughs> so he honored it. And when it was like, okay, well, writing's on the wall, he got drunk. He started talking to the paintings on the wall in the White House. He had a lot of good talking to himself. And then he, he got out of there. He got out of there. Uh, and now, yeah, so he may have been uh, more insane than Donald Trump in some ways. Talking uh, about <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you're right. I, I, as soon as I said that, <laughs> yeah, maybe I'm wrong in that yeah, one. Well, you know, there are different forms of insanity. Yeah, there's so different. He had, a, he, had, he had a different insanity. He was perhaps. a drunken insomniac. Yeah. He was a drunken. Right. Richard Nixon was a drunken right. insomniac. And I, I went through that Nixon phase. I know I've told you it was so many times we're reading Nixon books and uh, it's frightening when you go back and read his about his behavior those late oh, no night. they had they had orders I think Haig had the order that to keep him away from the nuclear trigger yeah don't let him get near that nuclear trigger under especially late at night right, you know? exactly right don't believe a thing he says right, right all right Donald Trump let's break down some of the news that's happened since uh, you were here Gordon Sunland uh, one of your favorite Trump appointees uh, the U.S. ambassador to the European Union flip-flopped. This is pretty big news. He flip-flopped uh, in his testimony. Yeah, because every, everybody else who testified, so far there have been six um, who testified mm-hmm. as, uh, saying that it was a quick quo pro. Uh, it's the dealings, we're talking about the Ukraine. The Ukraine. Uh, yeah, shaking six, down the um, president. The, the yeah. hearings they've been having uh, behind closed doors in the basement, in the skiff. It, Anyway, the hearings, he had six um, employees of the National Security Council mm-hmm. who talked about how Trump was, was dealing. He's, you know, it's, it was like a drug deal or something. Okay. Um, sound, sound, Soundman. Soundland was the one who first said that it was not a quid pro quo. He exactly. was not aware of exactly. a quid pro quo. Okay, but a little background on him. Go ahead. Okay. He is a successful self-made millionaire off of hotels. He gave Trump inaugural uh, one million bucks so that he could be an ambassador. But this happened. This is this is America. You Wait, know? I thought that he was cleaning up the swamp. <laughs> I, isn't that part and parcel of what makes the swamp the swamp? That you you don't hire somebody based on a meritocracy, on their ability to do a job, on their knowledge and understanding of a situation. You hire someone who gave you a million dollars. I thought he's cleaning up the swamp, Monroe. <laughs> Okay, I, I'm going to let you in on this little secret okay. because we're, we're good friends. All right. So I, I want you to know this. Trump lied. Okay. You mean he was lying when he said he was going to clean up the swamp? Oh, my God. Don't tell Frank Coconati. <laughs> Ugh, he lied to me. Right. Yeah, well, he's up to 14,000. Uh, lies? Yes. 
So since he's in the last two and a half, almost three years. No, but it, it is amazing. One of his strengths is his inability, is his ability to continue lying and continue speaking from his script, regardless of what happened. And I believe when he was in Kentucky the day before the election, yes. the, uh, the, the election that the Republican lost, I want to add, um, he talked about cleaning up the swamp. And uh, I can't believe he's still using that rhetoric, given the fact that he is swampier. He's made the swamp swampier since he got it. But anyway, well, well, because of his people, I mean, he also has has, has um, shot someone on Fifth Avenue. You have the bullets casings laying there. You have the body. You have bullets in the body. You have eyewitnesses, and then the Trump nuts are still going. Oh, <laughs> I don't see it. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't see. Or they'll. Which is what they do. They redefined what the crime is. Right. In other words, murder is not a crime all of a sudden. Well, you oh, know, well, yeah, yeah, right, exactly. That's a, that's no, her. no. Well, Trump was just shooting his gun and they jumped in front of the bullets. Yeah. And uh, by the way, did you know that there was marijuana in their bloodstream? Right. Exactly. Right. All right. So go back to uh, Gordon uh, Sunland. He was a successful right. hotel man yeah. in the hotel business. Uh, oh, and anyway, the, the country he's supposed to be an ambassador to mm-hmm. is not Ukraine. The European Union you're talking yes. about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's, it's not Ukraine. Right. So he's doing business for Trump um, with Rudy Giuliani. Mm-hmm. And um, they have a little side deal going on. They have a, a shadow uh, dip, dip, uh, uh, diplomacy thing going on where they're shaking down the president of the Ukraine, the crooked president of the Ukraine, he gets replaced by Zelensky, mm-hmm. who is a comedian. Yeah, that's pretty, I, I know that's an interesting little <laughs> I mean, spin. I, yeah. I mean, this whole thing is just, I mean, if you and I, five years ago, had written a movie script like this, Nobody would Nobody accept would it because they say this is too nuts. Yeah. I mean, this is they, uh, he said this strains credibility completely. So, but anyway, he's a he's a comedian, mm-hmm. and he's there to clean up the swamp <laughs> in Ukraine. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he's approached by Giuliani. They say, well. If you want to clean up the swamp, you really need to check out Biden, yeah. <laughs> Biden's, and get some dirt on it. Get, give us that dirt that you cleaned it up. We, and we don't care whether it's true or yeah, not. Just we, give us yeah, some right, dirt. And, 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 and go on TV and say it. You have to go on TV and announce it so we can use that against Trump. I mean, against uh, Biden. Mm-hmm. And They're so worried about Biden. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right. No, because Biden is, is beating Trump by double digits. Yeah. Everywhere, yeah, and so they should be worried. They're worried about, about Biden, who probably right. will not get the Democratic nomination. Right. Monroe, right. exactly. I can't. I beg people coming on this show. This show, as I say, is a dem- basically Democrats. All right. Yeah, I have a. We've had one or two Republicans on. Uh, Which but, seat? Uh, I, I don't want to catch. I don't want to catch the cooties. Republican the, cooties. We had one Democrat who voted for Trump, so that's as close as we've had to uh, like oh, an out okay. and out Republican. Yeah, a traitor. Uh, Alderman Nick Spazzato. I like Nick. Anyway, uh, he was on the show. But anyway, um, so I'm always looking for Democrats who are for Biden. Yeah. And I, it's hard to find them right. in, in right. Chicago. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, 
I think Pete Cunningham comes to see, I don't know if you know Pete, but he's, he's like the ROM guy that comes on the show. He'll be on tomorrow. Yeah. And, uh, he, I think he said he liked Biden. Yeah. So that's as close as we've come. But anyway, right. but nonetheless, Trump is so obsessed with Biden. Right. Uh, which is why he was, you know, trying to shake down these Ukraine. Yeah. But you know, but the, the, the reality is Trump, whoever it is going to be Trump out of that lot, anybody, you're absolutely convinced that it does not matter ideologically who the the Democrats put up or not. No, he's he's damaged goods, and by the time um, the public hearings are completed, yeah, by the end of the month, he's gonna he, he's gonna be in the land of no return. In fact, th- this is my theory. Still, is that you're gonna have these hearings. Public opinion is going to go higher. It's now 50, at 50%. It's going to go higher at 60 or more to impeach him. Mm-hmm. Um, the Republicans, um, Mitch, Mitch, is going to, Mitch McConnell is going to look at um, those, re, those Republican senators who are, are on the bubble as it is right now. He wants to remain the Senate majority leader, so he will throw Trump under the bus. That's the Meredith Shiner theory. She's a, uh, a former journalist, comes on this show from time to time, polit- uh, very astute political observer. She made that prediction, uh, I want to say, almost a month ago on the yeah, show, yeah. that Mitch McConnell will turn on Trump. Yes. And when I saw those results in Kentucky, that was the first time I began to think that maybe Meredith was absolutely correct. Uh, okay, that, but now, yes. the plot thickens. Go ahead. This is the complication. Pence was in on the extortion bribery of uh, situation in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Where they were shaking about, down the shaking president. down the president. Mm-hmm. The shakedown. Yeah. So, um, what do the Republicans do? You got a uh, you got a, a, a felonist <laughs> president. You got a felonist vice president. If you get rid of them both, both you impeach both of them. Then you have. President Pelosi. <laughs> yeah, that's it. You have predicted that one in the right, past. Right, no, no, right. First of all, time out. I do not believe, I, I, I still don't believe that Mitch McConnell will turn against Donald Trump. I do not believe I say, I, I the Republicans. I think he will, but I, but I think he will. So in other words, <laughs> you think that he's going to figure, I want to hold on to the Senate. I'm, I'm willing to risk losing the White House. I need the Senate. Yes. And I'm going to get, I think you need, how many do you need? Like seven Republicans. You need seven Republican senators, I want to say. And that presumes that all Democrats. Well, no, no, no. no. You need 20. 20 of them? Yeah, it's two thirds to convict. Oh my God, you're right. To convict. That is correct. So you need, you're at, uh, you need 20, you need 20 Republicans. No way, Monroe. No way. No way. I was doing the math off of 60, not uh, 67. No way. Yeah. No way. Absolutely not. Meredith, sorry, I love you dearly, but no way. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's possible. Not, it's, 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 a, it's a Hail Mary. Because it's, 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 it's a Trebinsky throwing up the ball with two seconds well, left <laughs> from, from 40 yards away. But Let's hope the Democrats are a little more effective than Mitch Trebinsky. Great, great draft choice, Bears. Um, but, uh, you know, you, you could have had Deshaun Watson. But nope, wouldn't want a good quarterback. But, um, no, I, I don't see it happening in any way. And uh, uh, But I do believe that and this is what you were i think you were getting at that folks who aren't 
who do not feel as though their entire political career is linked to Donald Trump will be turned off by this testimony. So just what Sondland did, to go back to what Gordon Sondland did, right. who is the... Well, the reason he did that, he, because he's, he's a, a Trump guy, mm-hmm. except he perjured himself. <laughs> and um, he is a, a businessman, and he would rather not be in prison. <laughs> and so... He had an awakening. He had an awakening. <laughs> he said, holy, holy God, holy Lord, <laughs> I could end up in prison. <laughs> for Do- like Michael for Donald Cohen. Trump. Right, exactly, for, for Donald Trump. <laughs> yeah, I'm not doing that. Right. And, 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 and then he reverted to the, I'm better than that. <laughs> yeah, he completely reversed his testimony. First he said, no quid, quid pro quo, and now, let me see if I have the exact quote. Uh, I, this is Sunland's uh, new statement. I said that resumption of the U.S. aid would likely not occur until Ukraine provided the public anti-corruption statement that we had been discussing for many weeks. Wow. That sounds like extortion to me. Oh, yes. You don't get the aid. First of all, Trump, the aid was approved by Congress, so it's right. not up to Donald Trump to withhold the aid. Uh, and secondly, I... It should have absolutely nothing to do with this phony statement of an intention to investigate Joe Biden. So, yeah, he uh, completely flip-flopped. I don't know how that's going to keep him out of jail, by the way. Oh, because Congress, unlike with um, contempt of court, Mm -hmm. Congress has the option of not doing anything, following it up. No, but what I'm saying, if... Uh, what he said under oath, if, if the issue is perjury. Yeah. So if he said under oath, let's say uh, in, in, uh, that uh, Adolfo Mondragon is uh, the worst movie critic in the world. Uh, and then uh, he flip-flopped a week later and said, Adolfo Mondragon is the most uh, brilliant movie critic I've ever seen. Yeah, Th- he, could, he could say, I, I was mistaken. Uh, I see. Okay. No. <laughs> Get a good lawyer in there. Exactly. Lawyer no, but, no, seriously, no. Congress, Congress will decide whether um, to... I'm not sure that's the case. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. not the federal attorneys? No. Uh, okay, no, it's Congress. It's that, Congress. All right, well, for contempt okay. of Congress. I got you. They get to do that. Court. So unlike with contempt mm-hmm. of court where, okay, that's it, buddy. Yeah. You're, you're going to jail. That This is why he flip-flopped so quickly. Like, oh, yeah. well, well. He's not going to be here, Michael here, Cohen. Here, right. Here, here's your get-out-of-jail-free card. Are you interested? Yeah. Tell the truth. And he still has some truth-telling to do. I mean, he just told the truth about the actual uh, quick core pro, but there are a few other little things that he, his, his memory didn't serve him correctly. Uh, all right, that's Monroe Anderson. Adolfo Mondragon has entered the room. We're going to take a break. We're going to bring Adolfo on to uh, continue the discussion, talk about Trump's tax case, uh, possibly heading to the Supremes. Which way will the Supremes go in that one? Uh, I know four of them will line up for whatever Donnie says. And uh, what's the best direction for the Democrats to take uh, coming out of uh, yesterday's election? And, well, got a lot of local oh, stuff oh, from yeah. Adolfo as well. Yeah, and one other thing we should talk about is when the trial, because the the House is going to impeach Trump. That is correct. When the trial hits the Senate, 
the presiding judge will be one Justice Roberts. Yeah, that's correct. And, and, I think, and judges can influence how things go greatly. And uh, well, that's what we'll get into uh, J- uh, Justice Rogers, uh, Roberts, who will probably be the deciding vote on that uh, uh, income tax uh, case. So we'll be right back with Adolfo and Monroe. Hey, everybody. What you're about to hear are the piano stylings of Jeff Manuel. Man, listen to Jeff go. Jeff Manuel has been playing piano around Chicago for years. He's played for conventions, for celebrities, played in basement bars with blues bands. He's played at prestigious social clubs, fine restaurants, and in the intimacy of private homes. Book Jeff Manuel at jeffemanuelpianist.com. Don't worry, I'll spell his name at the end of this commercial. You know what Chicago Magazine said? They said that Jeff Manuel is, quote, as comfortable with Chopin as he is with Cole Porter. He's excellent, and his performance is joyous. He offers an elegant stream of compositions and interpretations that entertains the mind but won't hurt the ears. To hear more of Jeff Manuel's work and to book Jeff for your next event, go to jeffmanuelpianist.com. I'm going to spell it out for you, people. J-E-F-F. M as in Mary, A, N as in Nancy, U-E-L-P-I-A-N-I-S-T dot com. Take it away, Jeff Manuel. Did you know that 40% of the people in Illinois opt to be cremated? Well, it's true. And Chicagoland Cremation Options honors their wishes by providing cremation services directly to the general public. Chicagoland Cremation Options provides an affordable, ethical, and easy cremation arrangement, whether in person or online. Save thousands and streamline the process by going directly to Chicagoland Cremation Options. It's a family-owned business operated by my good friend, Douglas Klein. Here's how you reach them. Chicagoland Cremation Options.com. One more time. Chicago LandCremationOptions.com. The Ben Jarofsky Show is supported by Northwestern University's part-time master's program in literature and liberal studies. Students learn from dynamic and diverse faculty as they build advanced skills for critical analysis, writing, and research. Evening classes are held on Northwestern's Evanston and Chicago campuses. The spring quarter application deadline is January 15th. Learn more at sps.northwestern.edu slash masters. Hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show for Wednesday, November 6th is just moments away. But before we get into that, we got to thank the following unions again for jumping on board and sponsoring this program. First up, it's the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8. And no, not Aerosmith. Uh, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. And of course, today's Ben Jarofsky show is brought to you by our good friends, at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Hour number two, let's go. It is Wednesday, November 6th, and live from the Chicago Sun-Times Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. In this hour of the program, we still got Monroe Anderson in studio. 
Election lawyer Adolfo Mondragon is here with a nice looking beard. And we welcome president of the Cook County Teachers Union, Tony Johnston. And now your host, not wearing a beard. <laughs> no, I'm not a beard guy. Well, you should sometime. Uh, negatory. Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Uh, we're going to have uh, Adolfo taking a deep dive on the complaint uh, he put together against Danny Solis and probably could be put against uh, Ed Burke as well. Uh, should Cook County or should politicians in the state of Illinois be allowed to use the money that people donate to them for their political campaigns to pay off their criminal defense lawyers? Adolfo's got a uh, put together the complaint. Uh, Alderman Byron Sixo Lopez uh, filed the complaint. He'll be a guest on the show on Friday. Uh, so Adolfo will be arguing uh, that case. And he will also, we're going to force Adolfo to uh, defend Martin Scorsese. <laughs> we're going to get into that. Monroe's got strong feelings on that as well. We'll do more Trump talk. Before we do that, D, you got an update for me? Uh, absolutely, I do. First off, last night was an awesome first Tuesday show. Maya had her debut That's as correct. co-host. Mm-hmm. Uh, for people who want to check it out, well, you can. you got two options. You can check it out on the Facebook page, the video and all. The live stream is posted at Benny J Show. Head to the Facebook page and check it out. And also, uh, tonight, I'm going to try my best to get the audio up and make it downloadable for everybody as well. So you can be able to download it at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites. All right, let's talk some local news here. CPD Superintendent Eddie Johnson. Looks like he may be uh, retiring this week. Has he announced that officially? Uh, hasn't announced it officially. People are going back and forth here. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and the one and only Fran the Woman Spielman. Mayor Lori Lightfoot vowed Wednesday to honor the legally mandated process for choosing Chicago's next police superintendent, but insisted that she hasn't had, quote, that conversation yet with soon-to-be-retiring Superintendent Eddie Johnson. Some people say he's going to retire this week. We'll have to wait and see. With Inspector General Joe Ferguson investigating Johnson and controversy swirling around the superintendent, Johnson's decision to jump before being pushed comes as no surprise. Cops are saying it's Friday. My brother told me today, he's like, I'm hearing through the grapevine that it's going to be Friday. Adolfo's uh, <clears throat> brother is a Chicago police officer. Right. Adolfo, he's correct. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Muller, I love that. Monroe, did you, you have thoughts on that? You seem to be itching to say something about Eddie Johnson. Okay. Um, the the um, day that Mayor Lightfoot was sworn in, I was... Um, on WGN, I was one of the anchors at the, uh, just for their special they did on it. And I predicted that he'd be gone sooner than this. I'm surprised he's lasted as long as he has. Why do you, why do you feel that because way? Because you need your own people in those key positions when you're mayor. Oh, so you don't even think it has anything to do with anything he's done? Or you think well, it's just I mean, a matter? Well, now it does, but I mean, but it, but it should have, he, he should have, she should have gotten rid of him back then to have her own people. Because once you get in that position of power, um, people are out to get you. You have to watch your back. You need somebody to watch your back, and you definitely with the Chicago Police Department. All right, let me uh, let me see what Adolfo's thoughts are on this before we go back to Trump. Uh, in your humble opinion, as a resident of the city of Chicago, as a lifelong resident of the city of Chicago, proud graduate of Curie High School and the University of Chicago, do you think Eddie Johnson has uh, done a good job as police chief? No, I think he's done a um, below fair job. I think he's a nice guy. I think that he, you know, he's affable, but that's not what the job requires, right? <clears throat> and uh, 
I think that he shouldn't have been hired in the first place. And he should have been fired at some point. And uh, Monroe's right. Laurie should have axed him from the beginning. I think that the only reason why he's retiring is because that uh, camera footage that we're going to see eventually, unless he retires, is probably really bad. Uh, you're, uh, <clears throat> what what uh, Adolfo's alluding to is the camera footage uh, from the uh, from uh, when he was d- uh, discovered asleep behind the wheel, right, and then outside his house or his home, right, and then he confessed to the mayor that he had been drinking. But of course, he he left that out with everyone else but the mayor, and then the mayor told Franz Fieldman that same day that yeah, he told me that he had been drinking, and that's why he came out. Mm. Well, why do you think he's done a uh, a, a poor job? Well, putting listen, aside the drinking when, thing. When, when they ask the top cop in any city in America mm-hmm. whether or not he or she believes that police brutality exists, that police corruption exists, and has he or she ever seen or witnessed it firsthand, and the answer is no, I don't think it, believe, I don't think it exists. There's only a few rotten apples, and I've personally in my 30 years have never seen it. That's BS. Mm. That's bullshit. Especially yeah. in Chicago. Especially <laughs> in Chicago. That's right. All you right. can say, I've seen it. I don't <laughs> condone it. Yeah. It's horrible, whatever. And, but to say, oh, no, I've never, I've never, come on. Even the most, you know, neophyte of cops has seen something. Well, as recall, uh, when he got the gig, uh, Rahm Emanuel appointed him. Uh, th- that was, there was a, a process, a procedure set up in the city of Chicago where he was supposed to take uh, like three recommendations that the police board gave oh, to him. Right. Remember that? And, and then, then he bypassed was, that. He bypassed, just came up with Eddie Johnson. And Ron was very proud of that uh, because he was so different. Take a chill pill, man. Oh, yeah, you're <laughs> right. Thank you, Ron. No, but I think, uh, I think you know, why Ron, I, my personal opinion is I think that he picked uh, Eddie because of his affability. I think that he found in him a bro. You know, this I could. This is my bro right here. I'm gonna help him with his health issues. I'm gonna help him, you know, on a personal basis, and he'll never betray me, and he'll never whatever because he, you know, we're gonna be like brothers. Yeah. You know. Well, uh, I'm sure uh, I, he had a similar attitude. Rom did toward Gary McCarthy, and when things got rough, the first guy <laughs> Rom threw under the bus was Gary McCarthy. Yeah, but I think Gary and 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 Eddie are different people. Yes, they are. Gary is a very uh, Machiavellian guy, and I don't think Eddie is that kind. I mean, I he probably has a lot of street smarts but he doesn't function in the same way politically that McCarthy does yeah mm-hmm. uh, well and and all right we're gone too far afield and Eddie okay. Johnson want to go back to Trump but yeah okay. the, the part that uh, really kind of exposed Eddie Johnson Monroe was when the story came I think it was in the Sun Times uh, came up with the story that uh, allegedly Eddie Johnson was part of the group of police officers or police brass that saw uh, the uh, videotape of Laquan right. McDonald getting shot and said nothing. Right. And this gets to the point that Adolfo was making, that he's a go-along guy. Right. And uh, Lori yeah, Lightfoot no, was supposed to be a break from go-along guys. Yeah, Joyce and I had this discussion this morning, and she, her position was that, well, um, he's seen uh, any police chief like that has seen a lot of stuff, and so it's not surprising that he wouldn't react. And my <laughs> my response to that was he was supposed to be pissed off. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah, yeah, you're supposed to be upset because a citizen was just shot. Right, sixteen times. All right, now let's go back to Trump. Okay, because uh, yes, it's Trump's one thousand. 
22 day in office. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Oh, I did wow. not know that. Yeah. Wow. A long uh, time. It's a long time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it seems like every day was a, it's its own it's special up. pain in the neck. Uh, I was fascinated by this story that uh, broke yesterday or just been in the news lately. Uh, Donald Trump, uh, a, a judge in New York, or I think it was appellate court in New York, ruled that Donald John Trump, uh, his a, um, accounting firm, the, the, the firm that does his taxes, will have to turn over Donald Trump's tax returns for eight years, Monroe. He's been holding on those for eight Can years. Can you believe that? What audit goes on for eight years? Eight, well, mean, yeah, I, come on. The whole audit thing. Remember, that was his first excuse. By the way, swamp drainers. How'd you buy that excuse? You know what I mean? He's draining the swamp, except for the part of the swamp that where his you know his personal connection to the swamp uh, is, is revealed. All right, Monroe. So uh, Donald Trump has said from the get-go that he, the president of the United States, should be above prosecution, should not be forced to turn over his tax returns. This actual subpoena is not directed at Donald Trump. It's directed at the accounting firm that does his taxes. So they're the group that uh, has to turn over the taxes. So how do you see this one playing out? Oh, we we will hear about the taxes. We may or may not see them. That's that's still um, to be determined, but his taxes will come out, the, the results of them, and my prediction is what we discover is that he's been laundering rubles since the 1990s. Wow, that um, he's not nearly as rich as he claims he is, and that he's a tax cheat. Well, the last two, I think we've already. Yes. The New York Times has already. Uh, what? That he's a tax that cheat. That he's a tax cheat and that, you know, that. Um, he's not as rich as he says right, he is. Right, right, right. With that de- famous deposition where they just grilled the shit out of him and were like, so you mean you just made that number out of. Yeah, yes, if I feel like I'm worth $5 billion today, I'm worth $5 billion, Yeah. You know? <sighs> Uh, but so. what about the the other part? Monroe's been saying this yeah. by the way for a long time. Right, right, right. That uh, I wouldn't be surprised, but that would be a true revelation. Like if that came out, I don't know how you know? that. And I, I I do not know how that would be revealed by tax statement. Monroe uh, Adolfo, you're a lawyer. You can maybe help with how would if he's getting money from Russia, uh, how would that be? Would that be on his tax statement? I guess only if he was doing it through. Um, you know, through uh, like some brokerage that was, you know, like if he had some guy at Goldman that dealt, dealt with currencies or something like that, and somehow that's disclosed. Okay, in, now, you know. I, 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 the reason I use the word rubles mm-hmm. is simply to indicate Russia. I mean, it, it oh, could be, it yeah, could be yeah, laundered yeah. some other kind of way, but, right. but the thing is, the Russians, once his gambling casinos got in trouble right. and he could not get money from any bank because he didn't pay his debts. Right. Um, then Deutsche Bank, which, which um, is controlled by Russian oligarchs, um, took him under wing. And so he, he was doing property deals. Right. To, to and that has come money. out, the property deals where he flipped uh, some homes in Florida to right. Russian oligarchs. Exactly. And they were sweetheart deals where like tons of money were made on them. Yeah, he had one house that um, he bought... I read this a year ago, so I may not be completely right, but let's say he bought it for $25 million, mm-hmm. vacant, m- mansion, 
He sat on it for a year, year and a half, and then he sold it to some Russian oligarch for $50 million. Yeah. It had never been occupied. Nothing changed, and suddenly it was worth twice as much. Uh, all right, Adolfo, your thoughts on how the Supremes will rule. Again, the issue, the bedrock issue in this case is uh, can, the rep- uh, can the courts order a sitting president to turn over documents uh, and and the, the Trump's argument is that no, the president of the United States is too busy to be tied down by these legal affairs uh, and that you cannot demand from him any kind of documents. Right. Uh, that's basically their argument. That argument was thrown out by uh, the, the local court. I think the appellate court has also ruled right. in favor. It's going to the Supremes. Do you think the Supremes will side with uh, Trump uh, or the New York prosecutors in this matter? I think on this issue, they'll um, they'll side with uh, with the prosecutors. Why do you say that? I, I think while there's some, you know, um, the conservatives on the my perception of the conservatives on on the Supreme Court are that uh, some of them are willing to because of their own um, thoughts on the principles of the powers of the presidency, et cetera, um, uh, that they're willing to go on the side of Trump on on certain issues. But I think that this one is far enough removed in terms of the taxes and how they're going about it, how they're not asking them directly from him. They're asking them from the uh, the firm, which presumably has a lot of people who already have eyes on this and everything like that. And um, I think that they'll... Uh, that they'll fall in line and give deference probably to the lower courts on on this issue. Now I haven't read the arguments. I'm just giving you my perception, you know, uh, how I feel in terms of the politics of the Supreme Court. I'm not actually I haven't read the actual arguments that that are being made, but I think that this is the kind of issue where if they're going to rule against Trump, uh it's probably more likely because it's um it's if you're going to expand the powers of the presidency, you're going to expand powers that are very closely related to what he does on the job. Mm-hmm. Okay? And the farther the farther apart that you expand the powers of the presidency to things that are not as directly related to things that he does on the job, but things that are ancillary, mm-hmm. I think that that's where you fall into further and further trouble and that the, the case for the power of the presidency extending that far out becomes weaker and weaker and weaker and here in terms of just turning over documents that are related to his income from things that he did before the presidency etc 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 i think are not you know directly related with the power of the presidency so if we were talking about the war power or um his power to i don't know you know um uh you know do what lincoln did during wartime etc etc that's something where maybe the supreme court would be open to saying Okay, yeah, the, the 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 presidency, the power of the presidency is extensive in that area. But I think that in a when the subject matter is farther and farther removed from what the actual job demands, mm-hmm. that I think that they're less likely to rule in favor of the president. Do you agree, Bunro? Yeah. You think so? I you agree. You so you think? Yeah. I, I look at it. I'm just while you were talking, I was thinking about the the judges on this court. And this gets into an old argument I've been having with Adolfo uh, for years and years, a pleasant argument. Uh-huh. And uh, I do not believe the way things are going with our uh, Supreme Court, that principle 
is ever at stake. It's always a political decision. Uh, no, mm. Prince principle will be at stake periodically because Roberts, for example, right. does not want to have a politicized court where he goes down in history. His legacy is he had the most right. politicized court in American history. Right. I mean, he's serious about that, and so he he's only going to let it go so far. That's right. I, I, I think so, too. I think that uh, Chief Roberts is a blessing in disguise because he is truly a historian of American uh, judicial history. He's also... He's a fundamentalist more than the others in terms of that he truly believes in legal principles as opposed to someone like at the end, Scalia, who may have started out as someone who people said, oh, he's a principles guy. I think that as he went on on the, his term in Supreme Court, some of his decisions you could tell were reached, you know, in the opposite direction where he had an outcome in mind and then he worked his way back, which is the hypocrisy because these guys are always saying that that's what judicial activism is all about. And yet they engage in it. But I think that Roberts is truly a, a judge who despises that and actually doesn't work in that manner. So then you're saying it'll be five to four. Yeah. In it, other it, words, yeah. there's four judges. Uh, there's two, Kavanaugh and Korsuch, uh owe their appointment to Donnie. And um, I got to believe they're going down. Uh, you can't. Yeah, you can't but go remember, they're that. already they're yeah. already on there. That's for, it. They don't they don't life. know anything anymore. Yeah, right. They're there for life. They're there so for life. So you think it's be nine to nothing. No, could, no, no, yeah, no, 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 because, <laughs> because but one of those guys could, could go on listen, the other man, side. Yeah. I, uncle, I, uncle, uh, uncle Thomas, uncle Thomas, <laughs> who is such a contrarian. Yeah. So he would do it just, to, <laughs> just to thumb his nose at everybody. Well, okay. Uh, by the way, uh, that was Monroe Anderson who called him uncle Thomas just for the record. Okay. Uh, that was Monroe Anderson. So send your emails to him. The views uh, and words of Monroe Anderson reflect those of uh, Monroe Anderson and yeah. Ben Jarofsky. Show. See, I believe, when I look at, the, I look at the state of politics and the court, and I I think back to the Kavanaugh hearings and the way Kavanaugh counterattacked, which is very similar to the way that Clarence Thomas uh, right. counterattacked. It's very similar to the way Sean Spicer is behaving right now on Dancing with the Stars. Whenever Republican Republicans throw principle out the window, right. they're the most pragmatic group of political animals in the country. You just we just quoted Lori Lightfoot like, talking about wait, Democrats wait, cleaning up. Uh, you, you you mean Sean's not a great dancer? <laughs> <laughs> Sean Spicer, we're in a tangent, we're in a tangent, began the show, all right? He began the show, Dancing with the Stars, when he first went on. He goes, you know, guys, I think this is an opportunity just to have some fun and put politics out the window, and just Democrats are going to get along with Republicans, and we look for things, entertainment forms, uh, that we all agree on. Then it turns out the guy is a god-awful dancer, okay? Terrible dancer. The judges are like, get this guy off what's the first thing he does he flips the switch he says this is a chance for donald trump's america to make a statement to liberal hollywood to like defend our beliefs and positions here's how you vote for me folks wow. he's just man he's and, 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 and trump was trump was, was firing him up trump's too. tweeting yeah. out i'm like damn you republicans don't believe in anything there's nothing resembling a principle well with the republican party it's all about winning and i think that that's the main hypocrisy of Republicans, at least in through my on my lifetime, my first <clears throat> perception of them in the '80s as a child, okay, uh -huh. 
was that uh, I bought what they sold, that they were, you know, these upstanding guys, Boy Scouts, who followed the law. They were clean G-men like Herbert Hoover, et cetera, et cetera. But and that the the Democrats Herbert were the Hoover. Yeah, I mean, Edgar Edgar J Hoover, Edgar yeah. J, Edgar J. Same difference. Yeah, yeah well, difference. pretty much. Yeah, but right. you, he was young and uh, very idealistic. Right, right. Well, no. So th- this is what they sell you, right? Yeah. And I, at the same time, you know, like uh, I remember reading P.J. O'Rourke's Parliament of Horrors when I was like in eighth or, or ninth grade. That was an influential like book. P.J. O'Rourke, a satirist, right wing satirist. Right, and he was like a hippie, right, who then turned conservative yeah. in the eighties and. Like, you know, I don't know where he's at now, but, you know, basically he said, look, um, Republicans are clean hearted Americans and, you know, Democrats are these hippies who like engage in all sorts of vile vices and blah, blah, blah. I think that the the only difference is that at least Democrats are honest about their weaknesses and the Republicans are not. That's the hypocrisy that they sell you this, you know, the true the true model of that idealistic Republican is someone like a Robert Mueller. Think about it. You know, he is an upstanding American. He is a guy who tries to do things for, you know, uh, with the best interests of America. He's conservative, but he's, you know, a guy who who models himself personally and professionally as someone who is um, ethical, efficacious, uh, polite, civil, etc. Right. But Except, uh, you know, I, I, I'm wondering, I don't know. But I'm wondering if he didn't put his thumb on the scale with his report. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, right. Here we go, right. Well, Here you go, Adolfo. You can just dig in yeah, and read yeah, any. Right. Uh, I think I think actually it was the, the 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 opposite. I think that he scaled back and he didn't do it because if he went out and said, well, you know, Donald Trump committed obstruction, then it, it would lead it would lead to all these Republicans saying, see, we knew it was a sham from the beginning, and this was his only way of playing chess and saying, okay, how can I find a way out? Without everyone saying it was a sham, but at the same time telling people, look, you know, he did obstruct. All right, but uh, Mueller, let's put him to the side because he is not, uh, he doesn't act like a Republican operative. And Clarence Thomas, uh, that Monroe Monroe alluded to, he just like Sean Spicer, he's just like Brett Kavanaugh. Well, think about it. All these on fire, he did a a political counterpunch. And I believe, when you get back to the Supreme Court's behavior, I believe that he's still mad about what went down in 1991. He still feels he was a well, victim, even though I don't believe he was I think was if you could point to one guy that all of these people, you could line them all back ideologically to, or at least the way they, the playbook is, is um, uh, the guy who died, George Bush's, uh, George Bush Sr.'s um, political guy. What's his name? Oh, uh, Lee. Um, Lee Atwater, right? Yeah, Lee Atwater. Lee Atwater. I think that this all goes back, if you trace it all back, I think it goes back to Lee Atwater. All of these people probably at some point met him or were read his work or read his playbook or whatever. But this goes back to Lee Atwater. And I think these are all people who who are, you know, uh, proponents of the Lee Atwater. Oh, and it also goes back to Bork. When, yeah. When, when the, he was when, up for uh, to go on the Supreme Court and the, the Democrats did a hatchet job. Well, wait, uh, see, OK, here's now uh, uh, at the risk of being. 
you called a, a, a hypocrite on this particular <laughs> position. I'm old enough to remember the Bork hearings. Yeah. And Democrats had a principal reason for be, being against Bork on ideological reasons. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Just like, for instance, Republicans could argue they had a, a pr- principled interest to be against William Douglas, who was a, ver- a lefty uh, Supreme Court justice way before your time, Adolfo, <laughs> yeah. uh, back in the 60s. You saw my blank stare, right? Yeah, like, <laughs> but he was one of the great uh, champions of liberal uh, judicial judicial decisions, William Douglas, and Republicans hated him because he was such a liberal and such a lefty. And so they concoct an ideological reason to be against him. And I can almost respect that, if you get what I'm saying, as opposed to pure partisanship, where you're just against somebody because... No, it's gotten much uglier now. But I'm I'm saying that was the beginning of the ugliness, I, I think. Well, it was pretty Boy. ugly. Uh, some of the stuff I uh, recall, uh, that one was a knockdown, dragout fight. You're absolutely correct. Yeah. So what you're saying is that the Republican takeaway is from that, we're going to play as hard as the Democrats did with Bork. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So that's why I'm saying I believe, when we get back to our basic question when it comes to Trump's taxes, I believe that Kavanaugh will vote with Trump. I believe that Gorsuch will vote with Trump. I believe that Monroe's favorite justice, Clarence Thomas, will vote with Trump. And I believe Alito will vote with Trump. It'll be four. And I think Roberts, you're right. I think Roberts is going to be the guy who's going to vote. Yeah, but I don't think it's going to be that close. So you think? think, I I don't think. We'll see. But I don't think it's going to be that close. All right. Uh, Our next guest, Tony Johnson, is in the studio. But before uh, we take a break, Adolfo, just uh, you filed or you didn't literally file it. It was Alderman uh, Sitchko. Well, so I, 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 I represent I'm the attorney of record for Byron. And it's pretty much I devised this thing. And then I talked to Byron about it. I came here in August after those. Great Sun Times articles came about, uh, came out uh, describing or letting us know that Danny Solis and Burke and Madigan have, um, you know, used obscene amounts of campaign money to pay for legal defense, whether it's civil or criminal. And um, I came on here and I told you that I thought that that just from the letter, not only the spirit, but the letter of the law is illegal. Mm -hmm. And even if this practice exists because we condone it. And no one complains because they're afraid of retribution for whatever reason, because they're part of the people who are part of the hypocrisy, that someone should stand up and set a precedent because that's the only way it's ever going to stop. And right now is a particularly important time, not only because of these obscene amounts of money, hundreds of thousands of dollars, but with all of the indictments that are coming down and all the investigations that there's going to be many other people who are going to start doing this. In fact, I just saw there was an article from last week that Kerry Austin just moved $40,000 to pay for legal fees. I doubt those were for campaigning because she's not campaigning for anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and why would she need forty grand to pay a, an attorney to put her on the ballot or something like that? That's way too much money. So I get it why the board allows this to happen. They they don't want to do fishing expeditions. If their if they're, uh, quarterly statements say, I use this money for dinner, then I'm assuming it was for a campaign dinner, not to take your girlfriend out for steaks, which probably happens all the time. Mm-hmm. Okay? And if it says legal funds, I'm assuming that it's for campaign-related matters. And so long as no one complains, I'm not going to dig underneath that and start asking, well, can you parse it out and tell me what it is? But now, 
and thank goodness to good journalism. I know sometimes I feel, um, uh, you know, a little frustrated because it's not a journalist position to say this is illegal. It's just a good journalist position to say, pay attention to this, people. Mm -hmm. There's something really wrong with this. Hello, hello, hello. Well, their hellos met my ear. I came on here and I bitched about it. But I did go and I said on the, on the air I was going to reach out to Byron. I did. I spoke to him. And thank goodness he's brave enough and he's a principled man, speaking of principles. And that although his staff played devil's advocate and said, well, you're going to get a lot of heat from here, here. Because even though it's not a direct attack against all these other people who are doing it, of course it's an attack against them as well. It's not a direct attack. But this... This complaint basically will force the board, the to, Illinois, board. the Illinois State uh, uh, board, board of, of Elections, elections. Mm -hmm. to look through the incident that occurred with Danny Solis to rule whether or not the practice of using campaign funds to pay for anything, including legal fees that are not related to campaigning, uh, whether that's a violation of the letter of the law. And it is. I told you that the act itself defines an expenditure. As it has to be something that is related to the nomination for election, election, or retention of an official to public office. Right. So the ball is going to be in the Illinois Board of Elections uh, court, and we're going to get Monroe's opinion, see if he agrees with you or disagrees with you. All right, Monroe Anderson, uh, you were press secretary to Gene Sawyer many years ago. You've been on both sides of this issue as a journalist uh, and as a flack. Here is the question for you. Should politicians be allowed to spend campaign contributions, contributions that people gave to them for political purposes to run campaigns. No. Should they be allowed to spend those money no. on their criminal defense lawyers? No. Okay. Wait, and, well, there you go. And, uh, here's the thing. It's common sense. So one of one of the articles uh, um, uh, came out yesterday, a really great article. I think her name is C-H-E-R-O-N-E, Sharoni, um, a journalist. She works for the Daily Line and okay. some other publications. Oh, Heather. Yeah. Heather, Heather, mm -hmm. yes. Great, great uh, article that she put journalist. out yesterday. Yeah. She understood it right away, and so she called the board and said, well, what do you say about this? And the, the initial uh, statement was, because they probably didn't even realize that I filed this two weeks ago, okay, mm -hmm. uh, was there's nothing in the law that prohibits the use of campaign money to pay attorneys. That's technically true, but what he failed to say is that it has to be for campaign-related mm -hmm. matters. Yeah. And I, I, I told uh, Heather, I said, think about it. You can't get a haircut. You can't buy clothing. You can't get a membership at a club. You can't buy a car. You can't do all these other things that are personal with campaign finance money. But you're going to be allowed to use campaign money to use um, for any reason to pay an attorney for anything. So will you be able to uh, pay an attorney to do your divorce with campaign money? Do a closing for your house? For the house that you couldn't buy with campaign money, yeah. will you be able to pay the attorney to do the closing? You know, <laughs> will you be able to uh, get an attorney to to defend you in a workman's yeah. comp uh, issue? No. Yeah. So then why the fuck should they be able to use hundreds of thousands of dollars to defend themselves against things that are not related to the campaign? But the hypocrisy above that is that they're defending them against allegations that they were doing bad things while they were in office. And they probably were. Yeah, yeah. doing bad things. All right, Adolfo Mondragon, I, I know he didn't drop the F-bomb in that legal uh, brief that he wrote on this thing, but he gets carried away sometimes right. well, that was on a the new legal term. Oh, that's, that's a, a new that's legal right. term. It's a term of art. We attorneys call that a term of art. It's a term, it's of, a art. term of art. Yeah. All right. 
right. Uh, Tony Johnson's sitting on deck. We're going to bring him on. And I want to thank Adolfo Mondragon and Monroe Anderson. So we're saving uh, Mar- Scorsese for another day? We're or? Sca- saving Scorsese for another day. We're going to put right. Tony Johnson on the hot seat on that one. Should <laughs> the Irishman be uh, Oscar eligible? Ben Jarofsky says no. Not unless it's at least two months in a theater. Oh, all right. I'm a hardball on there. All right. Thank you very much. We'll be right back with Tony Johnson. The Ben Jarofsky Show is supported by Northwestern University's part-time master's program in literature and liberal studies. Students learn from dynamic and diverse faculty as they build advanced skills for critical analysis, writing, and research. Evening classes are held on Northwestern's Evanston and Chicago campuses. The spring quarter application deadline is January 15th. Learn more at sps.northwestern.edu slash masters. some of your most well-read individuals, period. They do not mind speaking their mind. If you can get 25,000 teachers out on the streets, we didn't get them there because they follow blindly. We don't get them there because they just trust people. These are individuals who ask questions, who interrogate information, who have an analysis, and, 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 and figure out how to make a vote. We do not expect consensus in our house. I need to say that again. We do not expect consensus in our house. What happened here tonight was absolutely expected. It is raucous in this in, in this house. We cultivate that in our house. It is important that we get in a space where people are comfortable enough to disagree, to agree, to figure it out, to make amendments, and then to take a vote. That's what we do. And and that's not a new thing here. It could be about a resolution to to shut down network offices. And it's gonna get the same amount of debate as this gets. That is just the nature of what we do here. break over. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Tony Johnston from the Cook County Teachers Union is in the studio. We're going to talk about uh, the teacher strike at, or excuse me, the mid-manager strike at Triton College. Before we do that, do you got an update for me? Absolutely, I do here. Eh, I guess it's an update here. Ben Jarofsky Show update, if you will. First off, our good friend on the YouTube live stream chat, Steven. Uh, was wondering something. First off, Stephen was at the first Tuesday show. He didn't say hi. Oh, come on, Stephen. He walked Better right by that. me. He told everybody that uh, he was like, oh, guess what? Dr. D was talking about sports. Mr. <laughs> not talk about sports. Oh, I did not know that. Thank you, Stephen, for that intel. <laughs> yeah, say hi next time, Stephen. But uh, he said here uh, he was wondering uh, if Byron Sicho Lopez would be on the show anytime soon. I know he's on this week, so yes. I will, let's use this time to announce future guests on the Ben Jarofsky show. Ben, who do we got lined well, up got in the week to come? my little black book. Everybody knows i got this little black book. Uh, so uh, let's see. Henry Davis, as we announced, will be a bonus guest today. Uh, tomorrow, PC, Peter Cunningham. You know, I, I got some friends of sort of the Rom persuasion, and PC is one of them. He'll be on the show. Miles uh, Conflassen will be here as he is uh, every Thursday from In These Times. We got to give him a segment name, kind of like Ramana Rundown. We need to come up with uh, a Miles. 
camp last. And I'll be thinking. Think about that's that. That's my one. homework for yeah, tonight. That's your homework for tonight. Big Tommy Shub will be here talking all things reefer. You know, he's our reefer expert. Uh, you know, it'll be legal starting January 1st. This man knows more about marijuana than anyone in the world. So Tommy Shub will be here and Friday. Uh, and uh, yeah, Alderman uh, Susho Lopez will be here with his wife, Lorene, uh, talking politics. That's on Friday. Rob Martwick. Uh, Senator Rob Markwick will be on the show coming up. And Amisha Patel. Did I say Amisha's going to be here? Amisha Patel. Our favorite grassroots organizer, Amisha Patel? The one and only. So uh, I'm sure she'll be uh, talking about the teacher strike and what uh, uh, lefties can look forward to in the coming uh, years, months, etc. and so forth. So a lot of political talk. And Steven, boy, he's holding our feet to the fire on this one. Where the hell's Dick Simpson? Oh, yeah, I gotta get Dick Simpson. I, I reached out to him by email and uh, not had uh, any luck getting a response. I'm going to try to figure out how to get his phone number. The folks at uh, UIC are very protective about giving up that phone. Uh, ben, just send him an email. Uh, come on, man. Give me the number. Oh, uh, hey, how about Monica this? knows I like to call people on the phone. That's my thing. How about this for a segment for Miles Camplassen here? Uh, because he talks about those chicken sandwiches all the time, clucking around with Miles. You know, did you come up with that? That was Steven. I'm the oh, Steven, YouTube live good. stream chat. Yeah, we'll have a, I know we'll have a Popeye's chicken update with Miles. He loves Popeye's chicken. So that's our, uh, our list of guests. Uh, soon to come on the Ben Jarofsky Show. If you have any suggestions, feel free to weigh in at Benny J Show. Also, we don't give this out enough. Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y J Show at gmail.com. I've, we've, have we ever given that out? Yeah, a few times. Okay, okay. <laughs> All right, very good. Good job. Tony Johnson is my guest. Welcome to the show, Tony. Thanks so much. It's great to be here. And uh, all right, Cook County uh, Teachers Union. Everybody in Chicago knows about the Chicago Teachers Union. Uh, Stacey Davis-Gates has been on the show many times. Tell folks what the Cook County Teachers Union is. Okay, it's actually, there's another C, and it's, it's Cook County College Teachers Union. College, my bad. Did all I right. that out? That's quite all right. I'm blaming Monica. It's not her fault, but I'm just going to blame her anyway. <laughs> Um, Cook County College Teachers Union, uh, we represent faculty, staff, and professionals, and even some security in the community colleges in the greater Chicagoland area, Cook County. That includes the city colleges of Chicago. It includes places like Triton, Harper, Moraine, Prairie State, South Suburban. Uh, so at any community college in the Cook County area, we represent at least one unit there. And so how many members are there? A little over 5,000. Over 5,000. So, and, and once again, run through the, the different jobs that are represented by your union. Yeah. Full-time faculty. We have some adjunct faculty. Uh, full and part-time professionals. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are referred to as classified or support, which uh, in other places are referred to as clerical. Um, and security as well. So it's a very diverse union. Yes. Um, and uh, so now I know you're here to talk about what's going on at Triton. We'll get to that. Uh, but just in general, your thoughts on the city colleges of Chicago and uh, the relationship between the faculty and the people who run them. Um, it's it's certainly had its ups and downs. Um, we went through a very stormy period uh, when Cheryl Hyman was chancellor, and uh, Rahm Emanuel taunted his uh, reinvention uh, policies, which we were very much against, especially the idea of consolidating programs in just one community college or city college in Chicago, which forced students to travel long distances. Um, it's, it's not clear under uh, Chancellor Salgado uh, whether they are keeping that policy or whether it's just kind of on hold, but uh, that is 
And, and I would say that in general, we have a, a good working relationship with the administration currently. Currently. Yeah. All right. Now, so just to help people out a little bit, in the old days, uh, at junior college, a kid comes out of high school and for whatever reason, doesn't want to go to a four-year school or maybe doesn't have the grades go to a four-year school or doesn't have the money to go to a four-year school. There was a junior college in, in his or her area, general area, and you could have a full diverse uh, a range of choice of courses to choose from. So maybe you wanted to try an English class. Maybe you wanted to try a math class. Maybe you need a remediation, et cetera, and so forth. It was all there. Uh, Mayor Rahm Emanuel had this vision one day, and he woke up, and he goes, I know what I'll do. Uh, instead of having these uh, full... Uh, these, these, these colleges that have off of this wider range will make them specialty schools. And so that meant suddenly a kid who is living, I'm just making this up, uh, on uh, Wilson Avenue on the north side of Chicago suddenly can't just go to Truman College to take philosophy. I'm just making this mm -hmm. up. Uh, and it has to go schlep all the way down to wherever philosophy is chosen. Could be uh, at Wright Junior College or something. Do I have that right. generally? Yeah, what, and... I mean, the, the, the program or the, the specialty that they went completely with at, at Malcolm X was the health fields, where they took all of the nursing programs, and there were some very good ones, for example, Truman, and that's my home campus, that's where I'm from, uh, Daly, Kennedy King, Olive Harvey, they all had very good nursing programs. They moved them all to Malcolm X, and um, the enrollment just tanked. Uh, because students simply couldn't go from the south, far south Wait, side. Wait, time out. Enrollment where? At, at Malcolm X? The, for, especially for nursing. Yeah, the nursing enrollment actually decreased by 80%. Across the board, yeah. I get you. Yeah. Because, in other words, all of a sudden, it, it was uh, difficult to get to the classroom if you lived on the far south side or something like that. That's right. Now, that was the most extensive consolidation, and but they're still we're still trying to... Uh, discuss with the with the city colleges, and we actually put this in our last contract negotiations that whenever there would be a, co a program closure or some sort of consolidation like this, that they would have to negotiate the impact of that with the with the union, as opposed to. Do just unilateral right. ultimatum. This is what you're going to do. Exactly. Uh, and uh, so is there a possibility that the city colleges will be re move, retreating from that position? Um, it's it's going to be hard with health fields because so much is, is technological and there's a huge amount of resources that have been put in Malcolm X. And it's an incredible facility. Don't get me wrong. It's a great place to go. And we encourage people to go do that. But how do you, how do you uh, undo what's been done? Do you do you start uh, like one year nursing, pro just the first year of nursing at the other colleges and have them then go to Malcolm X? Um, it, it, it's really difficult when you when you do a very bad policy <laughs> that's so extensive. In the other areas, for example, information technology, which has been consolidated at Wright, um, there has been some um, uh, movement back to bring some of these classes to the other colleges. So we're, we're in a discussion with the city college administration to see if we can do more of that. Mm -hmm. Have the numbers of students gone, uh, gone up in recent years at the city colleges, or are they still, is it still declining? I mean, if you look at uh, uh, the demographic uh, statistics, 
uh, college-age population is just going down in general in the United States. And so the community college enrollment reflects that. But if you look in the past five years, uh, most, most community college districts have seen some decline because of that, but also you can put the blame on, on Bruce Rauner, too, for, for um, bludgeoning higher ed during his, his, his term. But if you compare, going back to the city colleges, if you compare the decline of, of the city colleges compared to the other community college districts, uh, the city colleges had a much greater decline. And we believe that's due to the faulty reinvention policies. Mm. So it uh, exacerbated a, a process that was already uh, underway. I'll talk a little bit about your, your particular background. You said uh, you started your home school uh, was Truman College. Yeah. Were you a professor there, a teacher there? Um, I started actually as uh, what's referred to as a training specialist. With, and at that time, I was uh, uh, facilitating um, vocational programs in, in what's referred to as the technical center, which was like cosmetology, auto tech. Um, and and then I moved into uh, coordinator of tutoring. And uh, during that time, I also taught as an adjunct. And eventually, I did become a full-time faculty member uh, in history, U.S. and Latin American history. At uh, Truman. At Truman. What years were you teaching there? Um, I, I, I taught as an adjunct going back to uh, 2000. And I began as a full-timer in 2015. So by and large, what kind of kids, uh, students were in your classroom? I mean. Truman is an incredible place. It's diverse. Um, it's it's great to hear people when they first come to Truman because they walk down the halls and they say, I just heard five different languages. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you have this rich, diverse population, but also because they are from many different countries, uh, they have challenges with English skills. And so that's an issue of trying to not only teach them the skills of, in my case, uh, what history is and those his, historical and analytical skills, but also you're there to, you know, kind of nudge them along with their with their writing and reading as well. Mm-hmm. So when you when you viewed your challenge, was your challenge uh, to prepare a student for a degree in history, or was your challenge when you're at a junior college to prepare to sort of prepare, prepare a student for general life by teaching them basic skills. Yeah, it's not, I I, I don't want to portray it as, you know, I was there teaching them English. I mean, I just, you you have to incorporate some of those um, developmental issues uh, along with your curriculum. So in other words, uh, a heavy emphasis on just like writing an essay, that kind of thing. And just to say, try not to use the word junior college. What did I? What are you supposed to say? <laughs> it's community college. Community college. <laughs> and there's Dennis a, is not yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to community college. I was, you know, wait, what's, no what, junior uh, college. Time out. Why? Okay. And uh, there's I'll nothing wrong with it. There's yeah. What's the matter wrong. with junior college, man? <laughs> it's, it's like just, a '60s thing. The, the term is usually is community that right? college. Right. Yeah. There was a TV show called Community College, wasn't yeah. there? D? Just community. Just oh, community. Was, oh, sorry. God, I get everything wrong, man. I got the junior college wrong. Monica's laughing at me right here, right now. Uh, all right. So uh, you made your way up uh, you left the uh, uh, Truman and you be you got involved in the union and right now there's a, uh, a strike at Triton talk about that, that is correct um, at Triton as I said we in some of our colleges we we represent one unit but sometimes we represent up to three units mm-hmm. and that's the case at Triton we represent full-time faculty we represent classified which are clerical 
predominantly. And um, we also represent this particular unit, which is called mid-managers. Mid-managers are generally uh, academic professionals. They provide academic support, but they are not instructional um, professionals. Um, These would be folks like college advisors, uh, the people who coordinate testing centers, that coordinate tutoring centers, um, that uh, provide financial aid assistance. Um, All of these duties uh, and roles that are vital for a student to to continue to get in to the college in the first place and then to be successful in the college. And uh, how many mid-managers are we talking about? This is a relatively small unit. It's a, a little over 50. Uh, and they're on strike That's right correct. now as we speak. What are the yeah. issues? Um, our, our main issues are uh, Triton uh, refuses to do retro pay. Um, this is in my, I've been involved uh, with, in union activism for about uh 15 years now. And uh, to my knowledge, uh, especially in the Chicago area, uh, it is the only community college that has this policy. Um, and just for, for people to understand exactly what I'm talking about, when a, when a contract expires, many times um, you continue negotiating uh, to get a contract, but um, once you have determined what those increases are going to be, it goes retroactive back to the expiration date of the contract. Now, that's generally considered the general course of things. Um, and, it, and in some cases in the private sector, the, the reason that they, they began this is because many years ago, uh, unions were so afraid about working, not working with a contract that uh, they would just, in the midst of negotiations, if if they came to their contract expiring, they would just go out on strike. Mm. And uh, the other problem, or the other, I should say, the other benefit that the, that retro provides is it also keeps um, uh, bad managers or bad administrators from from pushing. Uh, the envelope and trying to get, which is essentially what is happening here at at Triton, is that um, they are trying to pressure our unit to take a bad contract by saying we're not going to pay retro pay. So if you if you keep pushing this, you know, that just means less retro pay you're going to get for this for this year going back to expiration. And, and is that the main issue, the retro that, pay? That and they want to impose a, a schedule on their departments, which would be a strict 8 to 530 schedule. Mm-hmm. And the, the thing with community colleges, we talked about its diversity, is that uh, these Many of these departments just use adult education, for example, the, the places that teach GED and ESL. Um, these are students that uh, usually can only do their classes either in the morning or in the evening, sometimes in the afternoon, but usually it's like a f- two or four hour class. And um, the, the student services that help these students, they have to be open early to keep to, to serve the students that come in, that can only come in in the morning, and they also have to stay open 
late uh, for the same reason, for the students that can only come in the evening. And so to impose a strict schedule across the board at Triton, we, we've, we've implored them to realize that this is bad, not just for us. And in fact, it's not really bad. I mean, it's really more, it's more, it's, 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 it's worse for the students because it'll force many of these departments to cut their hours and not offer as many hours of service because okay. because these mid managers can only would under this proposal would only teach a certain schedule or right, work back. a certain let schedule. me go back to that retro pay that's what it started sticking in my uh uh in my brain here for a level so help me out this so let's take this uh, point by point the the current contract between triton and the mid-managers has expired. Am I correct in that? That is correct. And when did it expire? June 30th. June 30th of, uh, of 2019. So it's now been, uh, well, June 30th. It's like five months they've been with, well, on the old contract, correct? Correct. And so you've negotiated with Triton an increase in pay? Is that, uh, am I correct that? In is that is correct. And then in that respect, we're, we're fine. Uh, we, we've got, we're looking at annual increases of 4%. So in other words, what, Triton is saying. Now I'm just trying to understand that they're saying, all right, we'll cut this deal with you. We give you four percent raise. So instead of making, uh, I don't know, I'm just making stuff up. Ten dollars, you make fourteen dollars, whatever. Uh, and uh, but it's just starting now. We're not going back to to July first is when the contract Correct. expired. Uh, and I, I'm not, I know from past. Writing past stories like when the police and the firefighters they negotiate their contracts. Oh, yeah. It's very they, common. It's what's they expect. They got a budget right. that that's that lump payment sure. because the, the the I mean what really infuriates uh, firefighters and policemen and I think they have a very strong case. Tony is that you know the city is in no hurry to negotiate a contract. So you got uh, cops who are working on a two years sometimes on an old contract. Sure. That would be so unfair right. just to say, all right, well, because we dilly-dally for two years, you know, delayed things and held things up, we're going to then punish you for that by not giving you the back. Isn't it called back pay sometimes? Yeah, back pay. Back pay. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. It's kind of unusual, is it not? Yes. To, to refuse to pay retroactive compensation, I, I like I said, I don't know of any other community college or any other public education district that has that policy. Are you at the table, you personally? I, I didn't start at the table, but when things got difficult, I did. And so the bargainers on the other side are going, sorry, Tony, man, you're just not yep. getting that retro pay. Right. That's They, they said that's board policy. Ha has that always been board policy? Well, they claim it it is, but we've actually we've actually got uh, uh, evidence that there has been retroactive pay in the past. Has have the mid managers ever been on strike before? Not to my knowledge. I don't believe they have. And uh, so, it's how long has the strike been? It's a one day strike. One so day strike. We're because of the size of the unit, we're we're deciding to just do a one day strike and see where things go. Uh, like I said, we're doing an informational picketing of this Triton College uh, Foundation Gala tonight, mm -hmm. um, and we're hopeful that you know by reaching out to the community that's going to be going to this. And uh, uh, we've had a great day of picketing and being able to talk to students and other members of the community, letting them know about our issues. Um, and we're getting a lot of support. And do you, uh, so the, you think they're going to compromise with you on this one? I, that's our hope.
Uh, we'll we'll see what happens. There's some parallels between this one, Follow Me and As Tony, and what just went down in Chicago with the teachers union. Because in the, with the teachers union, the, the teachers were on strike for, I think it was 10 days. Don't quote me, but I think it was 10 days. And so then uh, the mayor said, well, I'm not going to I'm not going to pay you. For, uh, keep, add those days to the schedule. They're lost days. And then they were so uh, effectively uh, the teachers, the, the, the Board of Education saves money because it'll be a shorter school year. The teachers said, no, we want all 10 days. And they cut a deal. They split it down the middle. I had five days. And I just saw this in the paper. Uh, the the, the <laughs> What a city we live in, Tony. The, the Board of Education is probably, hey, we saved $33 million. Yeah, you cut the school year. That's how yeah. you, quote, unquote, saved it. Is it a similar issue? Um, what, what's different in, uh, in higher ed is that when there's a faculty strike, most of the time they go back and they make up those days because they have to. There's a certain, the, the buffer zone is, is very thin as far as the number of hours that you can teach in a, in a, in a semester, a mm -hmm. college semester. And so um, when there's a faculty strike, almost always they will make up those days because, they, because the, the, the student has to have those mm -hmm. days in order to get the college credit for that class for our other units like this mid managers that don't uh, that are hourly sal or, or salaried employees it's it's a difficult situation because yeah they uh they won't make that up unless we can negotiate that going back in after a strike mm. and how long is the contract that you agreed to uh currently uh well that's the, you mean what we're currently negotiating yes. uh right now there the administration's offer is a three-year deal but we're also offering the possibility that it could be uh, as much as five years okay well the the, the effectively the it's being reduced because every day that you're uh, not getting your retro pay, effectively it's a shorter contract exactly. if you understand what I just said. Right, uh, and it also dilutes, I mean, 4% is what we believe is a fair and, and, and good increase, but with that, with, that uh, with the lack of retro and the third issue that uh, is part of this current uh, conflict is they want to add uh, extra duty days to their to their workload uh, that would add up to 16 hours and so and they don't want to uh, they don't they're allowing them to flex some of those hours but not all of them and so with the retro and with these extra duty hours they're essentially diluting the annual increase that's happening now do you think other community colleges uh, the boards of community colleges are watching what's happening at Triton it's possible um, Triton in particular is a difficult administration to work with. Uh, they've been so traditionally. We rep, uh, represent people at uh, other campuses. Um, I'll just say Prairie State and uh, Moraine Valley where uh, contract negotiations are not a battle. Mm -hmm. um, but at Triton, they are a battle. And, and just so uh, folks know, when I started talking about community colleges, I say they're in general areas of the city or the suburbs. Triton is in the western suburbs at want to say it's river grove 
River Grove, yeah, which is correct. (laughs) Robert Mueller agrees with you. Uh, And uh, so they play some hardball politics over there, that Triton board, huh? Well, the Triton board is led by Mark Stevens of the Stevens family, Rosemont family. Oh, man. And so um, things things are just different at Triton. Let me just put it that way. And they don't play in Rosemont, okay? (laughs) Of course, when it's their money on the line, I got news for you. If Rosemont was cut to deal with, say, the Teamsters Union on... uh, for the Rosemont Horizon or what have you, they'd get their retro pay. So come on, Mark Stevens. There you go. All right. Uh, is there anything, any information you want to leave uh, folks with before you head out the door about uh, how they can get in touch with you or if they want more information about the situation? Sure. They can go to our social media. Uh, Cook County College Teachers Union has its own website and Twitter and Facebook. And all of, uh, for example, there is a petition uh, that people can sign in support of the mid-managers and our, and our uh, contract campaign. And uh, they can also... Uh, 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 email the board of uh, Triton uh, to say, let's get a contract. All right. Very good, uh, Tony. Thanks for coming on the show and best of luck to you and your union going forth. Uh, come on, retro pay. I, I didn't think in this day and age we'd be arguing over retro pay. I know the police yeah. officers of Chicago are going to be with you on this one. All right. Because <laughs> that's a really important issue for them. Because uh, I think their contract is two years, but don't quote me in that. But it's, it's, uh, It's been a while since it expired. All right, uh, Tony Johnston, thank you so much for coming on. I also want to thank Adolfo Mondragon and Monroe Anderson who were on the show earlier in in the day. And, of course, what? Well, I just want to let everybody know, our uh, colleagues at the Chicago Reader, they just released their best of 2019. That is correct. Best of Chicago 2019 list. And tomorrow on the Ben Jarofsky Show, guys, you don't want to miss it, we're going to find out. The winners, the best restaurant, best alderman, best overall Chicago neighborhood, and more. By the way, spoiler alert, best bot, uh, podcast, not the Ben Jarofsky oh, show. Come on. Damn it. Damn. We've got to start fixing that vote. No, no, just kidding. That would not be ethical. Uh, anyway, all so right. Tune then. in tomorrow, everybody. Tune in tomorrow, indeed. Uh, that man, that voice is, of course, the man, the myth, the legend, the pride and joy of Alton, Illinois. Uh, back home, they call him the doctor. Good job. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty What cash. about White Lightning? Oh, and they also call him White Lightning. Lightning. Yes, indeed. <laughs> they call him White Knight. Like White Lightning. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. Hey, and remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows and Benny J bonus interviews at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites, chicago.suntimes.com, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. Speaking of those bonus interviews, we got a special bonus interview. He's on his way now. Brother of Stacey Davis Gates of the Chicago Teachers Union and former South Bend mayoral candidate. He went against Mayor Pete. His name's Henry Davis. I almost called him Henry Davis Gates. That would be wrong. His name's Henry Davis. We're going to have that available for download. And hey, if you listen on the download, check us out on the live stream, Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel. We'll see you tomorrow. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. (laughs) AutoTrader.